smells like a new book. I gotta read this. Uh, book. <laughs> I gotta read this book. Uh, those are hard to come by these days. They're sold out. I bought mine years ago. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I see so. people trying to resell them for like 600 bucks. <laughs> really? I got yeah. two copies. I might have to sell Uh-oh. them. Uh <laughs> oh. There you go. There's a little pre stimulus money. Yeah. Uh, so what's up everyone welcome to the show this week we are back with our typical morelia banter and uh backstage we were talking about how lucas is eventually going to change his name to uh uh aspidites exotics he's got the bug real bad and everybody around the world is starting to notice him for it um so he better be careful because he's going to lose his bradley his bradley license oh no don't get me wrong the bread liar Bradley, damn it. Ooh, <laughs> there's two strikes. Exactly. Nice, I can Mr. do it to myself. Bad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're going nowhere. It, it, but yeah, the Aspidites bug is real and it's got me. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. The more That's I'm not around the, love. Them at the shop, yeah. yeah. The more I'm around them at the shop, I'm just like, dude, these things are kind of cool. Like they're just so different. Yeah. Uh, man. But uh, yeah, what's yeah. what what's been going on with you guys other than you getting the the Aspidites bug? Well, I guess I'll go first. What's been going on with me? I I did get that. Uh, well, this is the Aspidites thing, but I did get that Western blackhead here. Um, yeah, you did on Friday. Uh, nice, and, and that is just so freaking cool. Like that snake is awesome. Uh, just a completely different look than uh any of the other uh, blackheads that i have the other two that i have here and mm-hmm. um yeah yeah he ate two two mice for me last night which is great um sitting in quarantine and uh yeah i've been honestly just over the past like couple weeks i've just been doing a deep dive into all of the literature available on aspidites stuff i'm trying to <laughs> uh just get all of it you know um and so that's been that's been really fun i just have a pile of papers to actually read now because i've just been filing them away but eventually i'm gonna have to put some serious man hours into reading them (laughs) but yeah yeah. that can add up quick but that's good stuff good stuff and and brettles are warming up um yep so no more bins at night which yep. has been so nice. <laughs> so I got, nice. <laughs> I got to stash those till next year. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually have to figure out what the heck to do with these bins. I'm so used to them just being here. And I'm like, where did they live before this? It was scary, like how different my living room felt without the giant black storage <laughs> containers in the corner. Like it was like I lost a couch or something. It was like a different room. Oh, man. <laughs> but, what is it? What is it about the Aspidites genus that kind of draws you in? Is it because it's so different than the other pythons? It's a good question. And I, I, I don't know that I know the answer. Um, <laughs> originally, which is OK. <laughs> yeah, that's I, yeah. I feel like I'll be working to figure that out over the next couple of years. But, yeah. you know, a picture of a Woma is what got me into Australian reptiles first like that. When I saw that for the first time, I was kind of obsessed with it. And, um, so in that respect, like at one level, they kind of always have been the one that I was most enthralled with, but I just, uh, got lucky in that I was able to acquire some really cool brittle stuff 
really fast thanks to Nick and um, yeah. you know develop that the passion for those guys. But the Aspidites thing is is always been there. Now I feel like it's just a matter of I'm actually able to get my hands on them and right. uh, just more and more and more like foster that passion and 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 fall in love with them because they're they're actually here now you know <laughs> right um, where it, it 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 took a little bit longer for me to get my feet in that pool um for various well, reasons they're not cheap snakes they're not, and they're not exactly no. abundant either yeah yeah exactly i mean walmas luckily are are more yeah. economical than blackheads but yeah, yeah. no for sure the the blackhead thing has has taken time for that reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. That's cool, man. Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely different than you know. I don't know. They're just, they're just different than what uh, they're super. Uh, I'm used to as far as carpets go. You know, the yeah. more I I mine the literature, it, the more apparent it becomes that they are so different. You know, like just little things like the fact that you know we talk about rough scales having the longest pre-maxillary teeth you know then you go google what the hell's pre-maxillary teeth and then i learned yesterday that walmas and blackheads don't even have pre-maxillary teeth and you know it's <laughs> they uh there's there's all these little things morphologically that you know just solidify the fact that they are on their own little island in terms of like phylogeny. Like they are unlike anything else. And it's, I want to know how they got to that point. <laughs> like, why are they so different? You know, it's how did that happen evolutionarily, you know? So I, I always forget this and maybe I'm wrong. Is it, um, is it that they sort of evolved from you know, are, are, are they more of a basal group or have they evolved from what pythons are or, or have they evolved, you know, like right. I, I guess the idea is they live in the sandy areas and whatnot. So not having heat pits, uh, the fact that they uh, eat, uh, you know, reptile, a high reptile diet, reptilian diet, you know, maybe right. they don't need heat pits for that. You know, I don't know. What's, I've heard what's... it both ways. I've heard yeah, that they <laughs> might be a more basal, more primitive form of python, yeah. and I've heard that they might be a more advanced uh, stage of evolution where they evolved away the heat pits. Um, so that's something that I'm I'm interested in diving deeper into because I don't think that there is a consensus on that yet, um, from what I've been able to see. Um, and and then there's the other there's a third door here where it's, it's like neither they're not more primitive or more basal. They are just something different entirely that evolved from a different source, you know, like that's, that's possible too. They, uh, right. Their, their divergence might go back so far that it's not fair to say either of those things. I don't know. Um, right. So it, it'll be interesting to find out if anybody knows <laughs> there's, there's work to be done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got, uh, I got, I, I was trying to send this to you yesterday. I guess maybe I'll, I can share it here so you can just check it out real quick. But, um, you know, me and my, um, sort of, uh, uh what's the word? Uh, <laughs> just stockpiling information and whatnot. But like, mm. here's like a, um, like just different locality blackheads. That's awesome. And where they're from and like, 
did you pull these from uh, iNaturalist? No, these are just things I see on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I save it and kind of mark the date and where they're from and all. But like, that's amazing. This, like that, that color on that one. Yeah. So different, you know? Whoa. Let's see. One what, in a tree. Did it say where that one was from? <laughs> that that, that one was a, it was a Pilbara. Yeah. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Western, yeah. Western. Western but, uh, that looks like what Pilbara. us Americans like to call Eastern. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. One eaten. Look how big that one is, man. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the <laughs> yeah. swallowing iguana. <laughs> that was one cool little nugget that I I found the other day was uh, I think it was in the Barker literature the the max size for a a documented Woma was like nine point eight four feet in the southeastern population <laughs> or southwestern population. Like, oh really? That's just insane. You know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like wow. It makes sense that the southern uh, populations would be bigger, right? Because that's uh-huh. just what we see in in general. Sure. But like, it's bigger than I would have thought. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but that's awesome. I would I would love uh, love to read up on all those that that you just had there. That's cool. I'll send it to you. I figure out how to send. It. I try to send it as a PDF, but I guess Apple Notes don't like because uh, it separated all the pictures. And I was like, well, mm. that's kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of just took away everything that uh, I was, you know, for sure. But, yeah. And for, uh, for our, for the folks that are with us today, um, just for some context, I'm, I'm trying to formulate plans to do some sort of research or publication with Aspidites. So if there's anything that that you have wondered about the genus, any questions you have that you can't find definitive answers to, um, or, you know, topics that you wish were discussed more, um, shoot me, shoot me a message. I'd love to, to hear what you are interested in. Um, cause yeah, trying to figure out what he I'm going to do. He go write a book. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> And it is, there are talks. <laughs> Help them get nice. real smart, like. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to become learned. learned <laughs> this is a house of learned doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doctor Zach and I are are plotting. Mm. So okay, I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. I like it. Um. Blackheads. Yeah, blackheads. Those are cool. I'm glad, I'm glad I get to work with them and not have to keep them space wise. Yeah. Just space wise. Yeah. yeah. You got those projects that you kind of like, uh, you can uh, still dabble into and not have to worry about uh, space yeah. feeding yeah. or any of that stuff. Some yeah. damn nice ones, too. Obviously, the, the right. girl that we're hoping is Gravid is, is mm-hmm. crazy, but then your new boy over at the shop is really nice, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's growing nicely. And uh, so that'll be a fun project to grow. And then the Womas as well. Um, that really nice reduced pattern. Uh, John Levy female is uh, due to drop a clutch any day. So so sweet. And then the black hair will be fight Brett shortly Bender over that, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah. He, every time, anytime I posted anything, he's like, I get first crack at those. Like, right after me, buddy. But, yeah, he's um, funny. Every time I post something that is like mine, my snakes, he's like, ship it. <laughs> he's like, I'm ready. <laughs> well, he tried to buy that female. Um, he tried oh, wow. to buy he tried to buy the female and and I beat him to the punch. 
Um, <laughs> so I had I I saw it, messaged my boss right away, and he bought it, and uh, and then it was being shared in the NPR chat, and I was like, ah ah ah. <laughs> already been where did uh where did i come from what's the uh, story of that animal? it was produced by uh i believe the the gentleman's name is john levy levy uh, okay yeah and uh my friend mike renault of add reptiles bought it years back had it uh I don't know if he bred her once or twice or if it was another female that he bred, but he bred Wilma's a few times and decided he was getting out of the project. And uh, I saw him put her up for sale and she's just uh, an insane animal where yeah. the, the side um, bands don't connect to the top and they look like they're floating little speckles. Yeah. I don't know how you do this whole share photos thing in here. I, I have think if we send it to Eric. Okay, yes. I'll, I'll find it, it while we talk about it. Um, but she, yeah, she's definitely gravid. She's been breeding like crazy. Um, she's she's a beautiful animal. We see them. Uh, we see folks in Australia post uh, womas that look like these, right? Uh, more more than pythons. yeah, like yeah, definitely much more than uh, than she's, what you see. She's stunning, and and the only other woma that I've seen that has a look even close to that one is uh, the sire. There you go. Uh, that Dan Vermilia has that I got my super orange one from um, is, yeah. it has a yeah. similar look, but this girl too, it, like the, the dorsal stripe is super clean. Like, yeah. With the side pattern being so broken up, it's cool that, that the dorsal is so, so solid. I'm trying to think what that reminds me of that pattern, but it reminds me of some type some species, but I can't put my finger on it. Hmm. <clears throat> but man, that uh, I think what makes her pop is exactly what you're saying. That stripe in the back, it kind yeah. of is like dizzying almost like because nice it's like pastry. perfect. You know? <laughs> yeah. Here. I, <laughs> I, 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 just sent, I just sent you a photo of her from uh, her. I just sent you a photo of her ovulating from uh, like oh a month ago. Oh my God. <laughs> She's huge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Look at all of them eggs. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's plenty to go around, Brett. No need to worry. <laughs> yeah, Brett, you're you're good, man. Um, so nice. So yeah, I think wow. I'm I think I'm gonna snag one. I'm gonna use restraint. I'm gonna snag one from that animal. Hmm. And we've got another female that uh, if she goes, she tends to go a little bit later. She's like your very typical uh, woma with a clean banding. Um, very little back striping and high contrast with that cream undertone with a nice orange, brown cinnamon sort of color to them, orange belly. She's like the best classic Woma look. Yeah. And so if she produces something, I want something from that as well. So I can have a little bit of diversity there. Um, and I know Brett wants something from the reduced pattern girl. And then there's a several other people that, you know, see her and, uh, I don't. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. There's somebody. It's like it's right, right there. I would, I, um, yeah, I would absolutely love if if it works out to do so to put a girl from your reduced pattern clutch mm -hmm. to that super super crazy orange one from yeah. Dan. Because even though that one doesn't really show any reduced pattern, the sire again of that snake was completely reduced pattern, and I wonder if some of those some of those yeah. genes are just kind of 
hiding and waiting, you know, and what would happen if we put them together. Yeah. 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 Do it, man. Magic. Magic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Glorious things. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Womas are cool. Fire away uh, on your, on your question there. Um, my, by the way, my first experience with Wilma's was at the Santa Barbara zoo, getting one in for education and, and taming it down to stop biting my people <laughs> so we could use it. And it ended up being like the most trustworthy animal, but it definitely bit me plenty of times, coworkers. And it bit the, uh, my animal care director twice. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Okay. Yeah. He, but he is awesome. And he had the, the quintessential, like brown you know eyebrow marks over there so we nice. named him eugene after eugene levy <laughs> oh nice yeah that was oh, a good man. one so yeah that guy's got great eyebrows <laughs> Dude, they're, they're serious man they're serious i'm thinking of that movie where the the guy gets the mermaid splash yeah, yeah. good movie oh wow you know <laughs> splash holy shit that's from my childhood yeah. <laughs> my dad was all about the movie education yeah okay all right. fair, enough. fair enough all right I, like it. I have a darwin female first clutch expected she is 17 days since her prelay and has just begun to get really active really wants to be on the hottest spot possible ready to lay uh yeah she'll be she'll be ready to lay in two weeks i would say it's Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I always get the feeling that they're within a few days of laying when they stop moving after that restless period. They go through some restless time, and then they stop, yeah. and then they go crazy pretzeled and inverted and really unnatural, and then yeah. they settle, and then they drop. Yeah, I'll see if I, I – I, I might have a picture of what it looks like on my Facebook page that I can show you. But, yeah, like to me, as soon as they do – I call – I just – for lack of a better word, I call it the pretzel, yeah. pretzel look. But uh, usually, when they do that, it's like you know, within like maybe two, three days, they're gonna lay. Um, of course, uh, yeah. Oh, Ryan with the freaking zinger over here! Oh no, bastard! <laughs> get that, get that royal talk out of here. If Owen were here, he'd smack you. But Seriously was, though, what? But that was funny asshole decided to name a ball python morph woma like no 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 no. three morphs there are three morphs that use woma like come on that might be my least favorite thing in herpeticulture (laughs) yeah so funny that you say that we had jeremy on uh what uh, i yeah i was listening yeah he explained the hidden and he yeah explained it and like you know you got to remember like back then they didn't know um Mm -hmm. They didn't really know genetics like we do today. So like the whole idea, I, I, I'm with you. It's the dumbest name ever, you know, but like, I, I think, I think Owen gets more mad at the fact that it's called a Woma than yeah. it's hidden gene. Like I think yeah. he just gets, he's like, you couldn't come up with a different name. That's what God I'm saying. It's already a Woma. We have Womas at the shop and somebody, uh, every once in a while, somebody gets confused about it. I'm like, no, yes. like, it's its yes. own species. There's a Woma <laughs> yes. python. Yes. Yeah, because you think about it, like people coming into reptiles and, you know, yeah. know nothing, you know, they're starting from, from, from ground zero. And like, you're sort of saying, you know, that's why I wish that we would like, I know this is a dream, uh, you know, my utopian uh, reptile society <laughs> of, uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the whole idea of uh, sort of like 
getting consistent, like an albino is an albino across all species, right? You know what I'm saying? A piebald yeah, yeah. is a piebald across all species. You could be talking about a horse, an alligator, a person, uh, or uh, a ball python. Piebald is piebald. But like, you know, corn snakes aneurysmic is one thing, and this one is called exantic. And if you go to boas, it's a different, you know what I mean? It's like, what the yeah. hell is going on? Yeah. And then yeah, good luck with everything hypo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then it's like get, if it's bright, go it's into, hypo. Then go into freaking Borneos, and not only do the names make even less sense, but the mode of inheritance doesn't either. It's just, what, oh yeah, what I the remember hell is when, this? I was, when I was Who first talking to guys? Matt. I was first talking to Matt, and I'm like, you know, I'm, at the same time, I'm learning genetics from like Travis and Nick. So yeah. like, you know, they're schooling me on like how genetics works and i'm going back to to matt and saying like yeah but matt it's not magic it has to like there has to be some kind of inheritance he's like no you don't know shut up you don't know you don't know green trees it's not the magic green (laughs) snake on the stick oh man yeah matt yeah i know matt has a dozen of those just for kicks last time yeah he's like i just have them i'm like yeah. You've got so many. I feel, I feel bad for those guys because you know, trying to explain that to somebody. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, it's I guess in a way it kind of like makes it um a, more, has a little more of a mystique special. to it, you know. You yeah, know? it keeps it more special, more more niche yeah. for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. It's interesting how how we you, well and think about how like little's actual like blood work was done in the genetic naming of this like it's just assumed based on the breeding like which is a safe assumption but still um yeah yeah i don't know it's weird but borneos and yeah short tails in general man they're they're kind of well i'm gonna say just borneos because it seems Mm -hmm. like reds seem to be pretty straightforward for the Mm -hmm. most part but borneos man they're just i don't don't get that they're like so similar but like the ones here play by mendelian genetics and the ones there say no thank you (laughs) right (laughs) they probably do it's just the matter of like we just haven't figured it out yeah you'd have to have like travis wyman keep borneos and study them and whatnot i'm sure he would come up with you know what's going on but travis (laughs) <laughs> yeah get rid of those egg eater snakes and we all that answers <laughs> false water cultures, we already yeah yeah we, we Bradley, get rid of it yeah yeah lucas yeah. is getting rid of his get no, rid of yours no. <laughs> <laughs> here's an idea travis give all of them to lucas and then you go get borneos and then figure <laughs> that go. stuff out so matt can explain it better to people and then we'll move on to the next one i will yeah. bear that burden yes yeah uh, I always, I always think about like what it would be like to fully get rid of like a majority, if not all of a collection, just for one species. I couldn't do it. I don't think do I it. could either, at least not at this point, maybe in a couple decades, but if I, I was my time, <laughs> if I was more naive and had been like tunnel vision focused on something and like, just not paid attention to things and like found my love right away and stuck with that, then maybe, but dude, I I've, I've been ruined. I've absolutely been ruined. I love freaking monitors and turtles and frogs and, you know, dozens of snakes, like all this stuff. I, it's game. Variety is the spice of life. (laughs) Yeah. It's spicy in here, man. You got to keep it spicy. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, man. The monitor bug has, uh, (laughs) 
I'm trying to hold strong, but uh, yeah, give it, yeah, man, give it. There's, there's, there's so many cool, and it, you know what's crazy is like you go and you start to research these things, right? And you look up, you know, what's if is this available in the U.S. And then you find out that it's available in the U.S., but Australians can't keep it in their collections, yeah. and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> what I must have this now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like halfway but, through the NPR uh, with Mike. Uh, Mike's monitors, Mike. That's been that's been super fun. Listen, because I don't one. know, you know, anything yeah, about monitors for the most yeah. part. So, you know, well, I got two two thoughts on that. Um, one, um, yeah, we didn't even scratch the surface on that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of, Rob kind of got in there with us to sort of like help us with uh, help us dumb snake guys understand <laughs> the complexity what as is of keeping monitors and like you know they were talking about dirt i don't know if you got up to the section where the dirt they're like yeah mm-hmm. we can talk about uh you know half the show about dirt and i'm like right. what <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait what it's a, it's a big deal dude like when we were putting yeah. together the the cages at the shop we did a specific composition for the lace monitors we did a specific composition for our female water monitor versus our male water monitor. And then we did a, a different composition for the sailfin and dragon enclosure. And, and it's all based on environment and purpose. Um, yeah. You know, the female water monitor, there's a lot of play sand in there. There's a lot of uh, peat moss and sphagnum moss and a lot of soil and dirt. And so when she digs a hole, she can dig a two foot deep tunnel and the sand holds it in shape and it's super humid and warm in there. And you'll see her sticking her nose into these areas and picking up the temperatures based on that sensitive, you know, sensor sensor cells or whatever in her nose. You can, it's amazing. She'll stick her face down in there for minutes and then go to another hole and do the same thing. And you'll, you can tell when she's doing that, she'll come up and she'll have sand all on her nose and she's just trying to figure out where to lay. That's awesome. It's amazing. And we can tell when um, that female is cycling because she's right next to the, the male's enclosure and he'll start uh-huh. digging at the sand and the floor at the wall that divides right. them. Yeah. He, he tells us when she's, you know, cycling, oh, like wow. we can see it in her. We can see her body composition change the way she holds her belly, how much her spine is elevated, uh, her appetite levels, her focus levels. She'll give you this thousand yard stare when she's getting really close. And, and then there's like time windows for the species. So it's, it's amazing, dude. It's, it's wow. wild. It's, it's, you get so much feedback if you're just listening and paying attention. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I can see why I can see, I, you know, I, I don't know for the longest time I've kind of stayed away from it probably because I knew if I started to look into it, I would kind of get sucked down the rabbit hole Yeah. of it. But um, I don't know the more and more, I, I look at them. It's not like I'm getting rid of snakes. It's just like, this is an addition. So like we were talking before the show about like, <clears throat> you know, how do you cut projects or, you know, like when do you, when, you know, you have some guys that like, you know, we were talking about Keith and how he was like keeping short tails and that's all he kept for like the longest time. And then just one day decided, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to move on to something else. And like, how do you, how do you do that? You know, and I, I've even talked to him about it. I was like, I can't see myself not having carpet pythons. I just right. I can't. I can't imagine myself without, you know, at least a pair of each species of carpet python. I just I can't see it. But that would be weird. You know, 
Yeah. yeah, right. You know, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, wow, you know, Kimberly rocks and, you know, pill bar rock monitors and, you know, and then you got all these geckos that are badass, and it's just like, Oh my God, man. It's just well, endless. again, you know? again, it goes back to the answer to all of your problems is to open the NPR serpentarium. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, I guess we got to get some uh, subscribers to the YouTube channel. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we need, we need one or two more. Croc yeah. monitors. No, I will not. I will not get a croc. So even though I'm venturing into different species of reptiles and stuff, like uh, I, I stick with Australia. That's sort of the only exception to that rule is the IJs. That's mm. it. Or poplins. That's it. I, I would work with croc monitors if I could start with young ones and not like fresh wild caught imported adults i would absolutely love an opportunity to understand them but uh at the same time i think if i did that i would finally convince myself that i need like kevlar sleeves and things just because they're pretty gnarly and right now i'm just kind of reckless when i handle the monitors like i don't sleeve up anymore or glove up or anything and i pay for it like my arm is all you can't see any of it, but like I was over at my buddy's place playing with the God kids and they're like, why is your arm all scratched up? I got like <laughs> lace monitors clawing all the shit out of Holy me, shit. like That's ripping crazy. the backs of my shirt, like calling my face and like, yeah, dude. And they're just climbing and, uh, right. And they're not even fully grown. So like, it's, it's pretty serious, you know, um, yeah, and you need the space. Croc are, are, monitors are no joke. Dude. No joke. Yeah, no, there were a couple at the vivarium and one of them, sent my coworker to the ER and yeah. ripped her arms open, you know, and th they can do that with one chomp, you know, like it's just your, your flesh is butter to those chompers. <laughs> like, Wasn't yeah. Scott Borden on uh, NPR or maybe I'm misremembering it. it might not have been Scott. Somebody was on talking about, he was visiting a buddy who had one and he said it was tame. He let it ride on his back and it was hanging out on his back and it got freaked out and bit him on the neck and the dude's paralyzed now. Hmm. Holy shit. No, that I don't remember that story. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Maybe it wasn't it. NPR. Maybe it was somebody yeah. else. I hear some wild stuff. And that's but... that's kind of what was the case here. Like this croc monitor was was pretty decent by croc monitor standards. And, mm -hmm. you know, she was maybe cutting the nails or something. And everything was fine until like a customer made a sudden noise or something and, and irritated the animal. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, even with one that's that's agreeable, the danger is still there for for it to get set off, you know? Yeah. Like with any Mike's, yeah, yeah. My experience with croc monitors, we went up to Nerd. This is me, Owen, and Matt. We went up, and um, when we were there, um, so Nerd has like these like rooms, I guess. Like mm -hmm. they're just like individual rooms that yeah, just have they're like stalls species. they've made. Yeah, yeah. They, they heat yeah. the floor to like an ambient temperature, and then they do individual yeah. parameters for each stall, sort of a deal, right? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So then you go to the uh, to the to the monitor room, and he has like these big cages that you can basically walk into, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Rob is showing us around and whatnot. And he's you know he's he's check this out, check this out, you know. And then we get to the croc monitors, and like you're inside their cage, and they're looking at you, and you're looking at them, and they're looking at you, and you're looking at them. And it, it, it dude, it was just like you know the scene out of Jurassic Park, like. Oh, you're a clever girl, and then chop. Never again. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're serious, dude. They can. Uh, yeah, I'm too old for that shit, man. I can't be messing around with that. Yeah, there's no I room. Need there's no... pythons and mm -hmm. uh, you know, Ackies. Yeah, dwarf monitors. Mm -hmm. 
Shit, I've taken some painful bites from a little peacock monitor over at Alan's place. The thing was, I was holding a pair of them, and they were getting sick of me holding them while he was doing some cleaning. And the male reached over and grabbed my knuckle and went straight to the bone. For a little tiny, like, and I got lightheaded, like I was going to pass out at one point. Because I was just like, holy shit, this animal's got me. Um, and he eventually let go, but dude, it hurt like a son of a bitch. And I've, I've taken some wicked bites from big iguanas and things. Um, this one hurt more than when I got, you know, bit on the forearm by the rhino iguana, uh, hands down. It was just gnarly. So, uh, you know, the little guys mean business too. The little guys are, but it's just, it's less consequential, like a bite like that. Like that's, that's it doing its worst. Right. Yeah. So like something like that, that's, you know, manageable, a, a croc monitor or an Asian water monitor doing its worst is devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You could seriously be, uh, be hurt. Yeah. So, I'm- you know, I guess we, I can sort of, and so I was talking to Alan over the weekend and, mm-hmm. uh, actually they're going to be doing a monitor podcast on the NPR network. Um, him and, uh, and Kai is, is going to be doing, uh, doing that so that's going to be pretty badass and uh just it's going to focus on uh how to you know the ins and outs of keeping monitors and it's sort of like npr instead of carpets it's going to be focused on monitors so uh that should be uh that should be pretty cool add that I'm looking the forward um- to that umbrella yeah. more yeah. podcasts <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent yeah uh, that's gonna be cool man kai kai has experience with a lot of different species. A lot, a lot, a lot. I sold him a Exanic Tannin Bar back in the day. Yeah, it was produced by Dave Prada. I had I had a pair, and then the, the, the I can't remember if it was male or female died, but one of them died. So I was like, you know, uh, I'm going to get out of this project and move on. You know, mm-hmm. I've had so many Tannin Bars over the years. <laughs> it's just like. It's crazy. It's like you go from you just keep trying the species, and it, oh man, yeah, I've given up. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like what I did with corn snakes. <laughs> they never yeah. lasted long. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was talking to you guys about. Um, I thought it would be cool to talk about um, the thought of more carpet pythons on new guinea and what do you guys think of that and like do you think that there could be uh you know more pockets of uh population of carpets uh on uh on papua new guinea yeah so i um i was just listening to the nova guinea carpet cliff notes this morning um yep. And, you know, we've talked about it off and on. And I, every time it comes into my head, I've got curiosities and I ask questions because I, I feel like that's the group I, I understand the least. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've purchased imported animals from Dan Maleri and he gets them from his farm in Indo that brings in, you know, gravid females, hatches them out sort of thing. And they're all from, you know, a relatively nearby location where they're they're accessible to them natively and uh, they probably don't go to some of the more remote locations they don't travel extensively and so you you know what you're seeing are these typical ijs more or less 
um, right. within natural variation, of course. But then, sure. But then we, you know, you start talking about novas, and you think about where they come from, and supposedly the the divide, the east to west, is is you know a difference but then if you look at chondros the the north south and the different areas uh, that are divided by the mountain ranges are already being scientifically recognized peer-reviewed and acknowledged as multiple species and more to come like more research needs to be done but it's looking like there will be more speciation and subspeciation and if that's going on in in green tree pythons which will probably end up resulting in them being removed from Morelia, but this is just my guess, and resurrecting chondropython because it will be such a diverse, you know, tax taxonomic group. But because they have so much diversity on the island, I think it only makes sense that a highly variable, very adaptive, um, generalist species like a, a, a carpet python would have a lot of variation based on these island regions because it is so diverse. So I bet you there's east to west differences. I bet you there's north to south differences, and there's probably some division within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The the Nova Guinea is definitely one of those those weird ones because you have a cut. You have two things at play. One, you have this locality, quote unquote, of carpet python, and um, you know nobody can pinpoint the exact locality, which is where some of the mystery comes from. And then you have this other line of Nova Guineas or New Guineas, which Derek works with. And um, they're so different from each other. And, you know, there's only a couple people that work with, with both. You're, you know, it seems like it's either one camp or the other. But, like, the, the New Guineas that Derek has, to me, look more like coastal carpets, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, to me, I, I – and, you know, I sort of – I'll never forget it. It was uh, me and Zach Baez were were talking about this, and this was a long time ago. And I got that copy of Vivarium magazine where the Barkers were talking about the uh, Philadelphia Inquisition and how zoos were getting, uh, you know, questioned about where their animals were and illegal animals coming in and all this stuff. And uh, just like, (laughs) you know, just like uh, you would think, uh, you know, the Australian stuff all of a sudden became New Guinea stuff. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh no, this isn't from Australia. This is a New Guinea carpet python, you know. And that's sort of where that came from. And oddly enough, you know, talking to Derek, you know, he said, I think he said this on NPR multiple times, but I've talked to him personally, and he said it like when he actually went back to the Barkers to sort of uh, try to find out about the line. There was like, oh yeah, they're cool coastal carpet pythons. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> are they Cape York carpets? Are they, you know, because they kind of look a lot like. Um, you know, uh, to me, they kind of look like what you see in the Australian uh, hobby. So I don't know how legit they are in the hot. I would imagine that they're pretty legit. You know, I mean, they can go and collect them. So I would imagine that what they're working with, there's there's like a couple different uh, localities. I know there's like Archer River. There's, um, oh shit, it's escaping me. But Archer River is the one that pops out to me. There's a couple other river localities that they work with. And the one locality specifically looks like um, like an IJ, like what you would see as an IJ. Oddly enough, I also have those Cape York carpets, locality carpets, and they don't look anything like either one of those. So I don't know. <laughs> mm. I, I don't I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, 
But but the idea that you know there's there's water pythons that's both in the top end of Australia and in New Guinea. There's spotted pythons that are is mm-hmm. in Australia, New Guinea. Mm-hmm. There's scrub pythons that's in Australia and New Guinea. There's green trees. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. there's also carpet pythons. Why would they stop right, right at this? It just doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. And I would think that they're probably more populations now. Whether they're different, I don't know. That's yeah. That's uh, I mean, I my pay grade. I I. I align myself more of a splitter than a lumper, but I can't also argue with, you know, science and DNA and things like that. So, you know, I take that into consideration, but if population is different and there's like rostral scale differences and, you know, scale count differences and differences in the number of eggs and the size of the eggs on average, it's it, to me, that's distinct enough to at least warrant a different categorization just for human sake whether it warrants a full taxonomical name Mm -hmm. right you know a race right yeah i'll leave that up to the professionals but like you know if you're telling it like if they look and say like look i don't know if we can give this its full subspeciation designation but the ones right here have a different scale count here and they definitely have differences, then to me, that's different enough, even if just on a genetic level, they're the same or can't mm-hmm. be divided any further right now. I don't know. It's it's interesting. So the New Guinea stuff, the, mm-hmm. the Nova Guinea, the stuff, the European line, the stuff that, you know, is is sort of this other population on Papua New Guinea of carpet pythons, mm-hmm. their head structure is so different than right. the car. It's long. It's it's, right. it's so different than mm-hmm. any other kind of carpet python. I don't yeah. know. Oh wait, I have to show this real quick. To uh, I'll find a picture of it so I can show it. Yeah, but. I've seen them in person. It's that's the first thing you notice is they have a very long, long uh, jaw and snout, and their nose is mo- a little more upturned at right. the front. Definitely. Ooh. Yeah. That's the Keith animal. (laughs) I just was sure that. Interestingly enough, uh, Nova's were the first carpet python that I saw in person at the uh, San Jose Reptile Expo in like 2018. Uh There was a guy selling some of Nick's animals. It's probably Um, uh, my friend Lance. mm, Yeah. And, and like you say, really long noses and kind of smaller, like an interesting hue to the coloration mm-hmm. um yeah there's certainly something different there's no question about that yeah. yeah okay so this is a this is the archer river cape york locality carpet python right um let's see crop tab so you can see it looks like your typical nothing great you know the pattern's a little different than what i've seen but you know you could probably pass that off for a coastal carpet yeah you know um and then you go into if i can find it so this is a nova guinea um and share screen this is like so they come in you know they're very um the the phenotype that they throw is, is very specific. It's either these like, see how it sort of has like these ocelotti type of things. Mm-hmm. They either have that pattern. Mm-hmm. They're either striped or they're really reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the three that they throw. When you look at, 
you know, the fact that they don't have red babies. So, right. and, and is, IJs do, yeah. you know, um, yeah. which on a side note, um, as I search for this picture, what do you guys think about the whole, like, why would, why would some Morelia throw red babies and other species of Morelia not? What's your the thoughts with that? that? Do you guys, I've heard it talked about i think nick said that in his opinion based on what he knows about like the evolutionary history of australasian pythons he thinks that they all probably diverged from a common ancestor which had those red babies and okay. that trait is likely being phased out with the dis dispersal um and like okay it probably served more of a purpose in those common ancestors, whether it be, you know, maybe that red was was advantageous for babies not being picked off in whatever that original habitat was like for that animal. And then okay. as it as it becomes less imperative for them to have that, you know, maybe they're they're the species are losing it over over evolutionary time. But that's just my understanding of what I've heard from other people. You know, I, I gotcha. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, yeah. Riley? I, I would tend to agree with that. And the only, the only thing that I would add to that is just, you know, some food for thought. Um, babies being vulnerable need any advantage they can get. And then in wildlife, bright colors are typically a sign of toxicity. I mean, we mm -hmm. see that in, in a lot of amphibians and poison dart frogs and mimicry and things in monarch butterflies and this and that. So, you know, maybe there's some, you know, currently being phased out, a uh, um, uh, evolutionary advantage that might, you know, get predators to think twice. Um, Tony's comment here, you know, the environment leaf litter versus right. sand versus dirt, you know, maybe the environment that the babies spend more time in has to deal with the underground. I, you know, I don't now, know. I have to fact check this thought, but when I was discussing the target training thing with other mm -hmm. members of my, my grad school lab, I was like, it's not really working. I'm using this red ball on a stick to try to target train. Mm -hmm. And one of the other grad students is doing her entire thesis on this. And she said, well, snakes don't see red. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so if that's true... Huh. That makes red babies very interesting, but I I think Lori Torini has said that, and and I need to make sure that that's actually true. But if that's true, that's very then interesting. Then they're hiding. <laughs> then they're hiding from snake eaters. Right, and and the way that different animals see color, it, it's all different than what we see. Like birds see more colors that we are not capable of seeing. It just depends on the anatomy of the eye and and what you know, rods and cones and UV receptors you have. Um, so hmm. it, yeah. Maybe red is just a, a, on that spectrum that has a, an advantage against predators predation. Right. And then there's also like the UV reflectance, like that we can't always see that other mm -hmm. animals can see, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, hmm. food for thought. <laughs> so real quick, I'm trying to, uh, just make sure that uh, that's see how the girls all twisted up. And that yeah. was what we were talking about earlier with the, yeah. Uh, the pretzel right before. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Back on track. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find the picture of the head, but uh, 
I'll check with yeah. uh, with Doctor Zach on Wednesday during our lab meeting to confirm if snakes can in fact see red. Cause now I really want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Me too. Yeah. It's <laughs> an interesting thought. Interesting yeah. piece. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think that, that, that there has to be, uh, more carpet pythons on that Island. Um, it would just seem odd if there was not, you know, to me yeah. at least. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know why they're not more popular. I guess maybe because, and you know, uh, it was on, um, I, I had seen this before, but uh, I know Justin and Phil had talked about it on snakes and stogies was the, um, so if you go on iNaturalist, um, you, you can see there's a picture of a carpet Python. That's actually, I can probably share it, but it's, um, it's a picture of a carpet Python from, from the other side. Um, and, um, it looks like, uh, what I would say would be something similar to, to what you see with these Nova guineas. Um, you know, it's not exactly, uh, it doesn't look exactly like it, but to me, I, I can definitely see a resemblance. Oh, here we go. So it's, um, I got the right one. Yeah. I mean, their head is just so much bigger than it's hard to tell from the, from the picture, but they just have such a, yeah. And then their rostral scales are sort of upturned and stick out. Um, Yeah. Very, very interesting carpets, but really cool head. That's yeah, yeah. I like the nose. Also Lori's here. And she she said pythons and boas have dichromatic vision; they can see blue and green. Okay, so there's that. Oh, okay, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks, Lori. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> uh, look at this beauty! I should have bred this girl this year. Holy shit! As I'm going through, I'm just uh, uh, looking at. Uh, wait, I love that. Song. Holy smokes! Woo! Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty snake. Wow. That's really, really clean, crisp black. Pythons cannot see red. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. Really cool. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe there is something to that. Um, I mean, we know there are, there are species of snake eaters in Indo and Australia. We know all of pythons will eat other snakes uh pop winds will eat other snakes i wonder if monitors can see red hmm. that's another thing yeah they have because to worry my about monitor predation be, yeah i would think they would get picked off by monitors before they would get picked off by or even uh, birds like maybe there's a, a similar eye uh thing in birds too mm-hmm. could be yeah very interesting. Very I don't know. interesting. Yeah, now we need to study all these other animals. Figure this stuff out. It's never ending, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's really That's interesting. The fun part. Uh, yeah, I thought I had that. I guess I don't. Um, but yeah, I you know I don't know. It's uh, its shape is more akin. Yeah, to a, yeah exactly. Craig is right. It's it's more akin to what you would see in a scrub python than a carpet. You know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, longer, uh, more narrow, more upturned, more, more angular. Um, yeah, just very different. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I guess 
again, it, it just, but I get maybe the morph sort of like kept it from people grabbing that kind of snake. And, you know, I guess maybe jungle jags and diamond jungle jags maybe kept people from wanting to go down the road of them. But the, I, I can only think of a few people that work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just surprised that more people aren't, I guess I'm just a carpet Python geek. So it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We like them all regardless, but yeah, they, they were, you know, that was during the, the big Jag explosion and, you know, if everybody was comparing them to to Jags and calling them the poor man's Jags, well, you all, you you instantly created a, a value discrepancy. And you know, if you're talking phenotypically, you can get some really clean and bright Jags. So they definitely, you know, if somebody's looking for an extreme phenotype, that's definitely gonna, you know, so the community probably just went for the the brighter, prettier, higher dollar, newest thing and you know, that everybody else sort of forgot about Nova's because, you know, they're not really talked about in any great length. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if it's one of those things that people don't know about them. Uh, maybe they are kind of turned off because they don't understand them. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I kind of did that carpet cliff notes on them. Um, just so people have sort of a, you know, uh, a basis to sort of, you know, understand what they're about. But, you know, I don't know. It's very, very cool. That's for yeah. sure. So. Alan has some uh, out here from Nick, and uh, they're really, really nice. And I'm jealous, so he needs to breed those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I haven't bred them either. I've had them for years, but uh, I I never uh, never produced them. I just kept them. Mm-hmm. I think I think for me it was like I always had one or not the other. You know, when I was trying to get, I got a female, I had to get it imported from Paul because nobody had them in the States. Um, And then I got it imported from Paul and then I was on the hunt for a male. And by the time I found the male, um, the female actually uh, died. So I had to get it. I got another one. And then, you know, I got, finally I got the, I think my pair, yeah, my pair came from Nick. So Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. What was that process like importing from Paul? How, was that pretty hard to do? No. no? I, Nick did all the work. I didn't. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I was just curious. Super easy. Yeah. Uh, you just tagged on the order. There you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I, I'll never forget that. It was like the, the, so God, this was back in 2009, 2008, 2008. Right. Um, I had contacted Nick about a caramel. I'm like, what's this caramel gene that everybody's talking about? Like, what is this? And he's like, oh, I can get you one of them. And I said, oh, you're working with him? He's like, no, I'm importing a bunch from uh, from Paul and UK Pythons. And I was like, wait, you can import from Paul? You know, because I would go to his website and be like, what is this caramel and zebra? What is this stuff? You know, because at that point it was Jag Tiger coastal jungle you know ij that was kind of it and then uh yeah i i spent like a drunken sailor (laughs) (laughs) all the days how it's changed yeah yeah it's so different you know i uh i don't see myself really the same way as i do back then you know i don't know Mm -hmm. i've i've sort of changed that whole thought process of like being a full-time snake breeder type of deal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So 
but what's what's your thought on uh, I was listening to the episode with Jeremy the other day and uh, one line that he said that really stuck to me was that uh, he said carpet pythons are uh, the hobby's best kept secret. And I, I was like, wow, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, if you think about it, they're not, they're not too big for one person. They're not tiny. They're not boring, but they're not overwhelming. You know, they're not heavy muskers, but they have some attitude, you know, at times. And they're kind of like a little something for everybody. And in that price range where basic to advanced, you can kind of scratch that itch for anybody. And, and the way he said that, I was like, you know what, that's, that's kind of how I've, felt all these years and that i just haven't really been able to put it into one quick one-liner and that was that was kind of perfect carpet python yeah it's pretty like, perfect they're like the sandwich of snakes like everybody can build a sandwich that they like mm, right if you're vegan oh i like you can that have a falafel sandwich <laughs> you can have a steak sandwich you got a big sandwich you can have a little sandwich yeah. right there's there's a, every flavor yeah yeah, it. You know, I I said this when I was on the uh, the Animals at Home podcast with Dylan, and um, you know, it's funny when you listen back to some of the things you 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 say, and like you're saying it, and in your head it it comes across one way, and like when you you listen back to yourself, you're like, that's kind of what I meant, but I think I left some parts out of probably that like the like, same you know, thing I just said. Yeah, I'm gonna regret yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Snake> um <laughs> so. You know, I, I, I love talking with Dylan. I, th- I thought it was a great conversation as far as like, you know, uh, but I, I, I really do believe that one of the and I said this way back in the early days is like one of the, the biggest part of the market that the Morelia community m- misses is the average pet keeper and trying to promote. You know, to me, it's it's more carpet pythons, not because I don't like green trees, but just because green trees can be tricky if you don't have them dialed in perfectly you have them dialed in perfectly they're great you know but i think for like a, a new keeper coming in you know it's you know i don't know maybe maybe they're they're that good i don't know but like when i first kept them i did horrible with them you know um and uh yeah it's 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 uh it's one of those things where they're it's sort of like what you guys said, you know, they have enough spunk in them to sort of give them personality, you yeah. know, and but they're not too um, crazy to where, you know, you're going to get bit every time you try to handle them or whatever. Right. Um, I think for the most part, you know, I think that whole like biting as babies thing is like, I don't know, man, I, I of all the I've. 36 species of python they all bite as babies <laughs> i don't know I, it's I don't a baby know snake python. thing yeah I, I don't know and you know like the big monkey is coming to pick me up i better bite it so it yeah. doesn't pick me up i mean yeah. i don't know it just right kind of, but you know as they grow and and they become confident and you know i think the uh the thing you want to remember about um you know, the, the carpet python thing is that you kind of want them to have that little bit of spunk because they're going to feel confident and they're going to bask out in the open and not going to be hiding. And, you know, like if you have some scrub species, I'm just talking about the, you know, what used to be the Morelia genus, like scrub species. Some of them can get too big. Some of them can be a little bit too uh, bitey, you know, because they're just, they're just tuned into heat, man. They're just, like, yeah, boom, you know, it's just, where it's a little bit different than a carpet, but I don't know. I just I think that they're like sort of that 
perfect snake. I think carpets and short tails kind of fall into that that you know if you want a, a big snake but you want something you can manage right if you want if you like fat snakes that sort of sit on the ground you should go the short tail route if you like yeah. skinnier snakes that kind of go in trees then you should go the carpet route to me they're sort of like that perfect uh pet you know yeah i don't know i agree what do you guys think yeah. of that <laughs> Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. I damn, sure. I thought I was yeah. going to get some pushback. <laughs> no, no, they really are. I've been saying it for years. Carpets are the best. Yeah. That's why, like, when I found them, I knew I was like, dude, this is this is my lane right here. These things are, they're perfect. There's enough if I want something that's, you know, big and active and potentially enough attitude to give me a little run for my money, but not be out of control. And then everything in between, and they just, they're literally the perfect snake. And, and that's kind of what prompted me to start my YouTube channel and really take off is because it, I just heard so much negative stuff about it. All the, you know, the very common misconceptions, they're bitey, they're 10 feet long, they're aggressive. <laughs> they need a massive talk, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, and you go on YouTube and all you see when you look in it is like, you know, the other main YouTube folks that might have one or two and they're just kind of being flippant with it and not really giving you much information. And they put it away and that's all you see. And there just really wasn't much, much info out there. And I don't know. I just, it was kind of like a pretty obvious, like there's a void here and and not everything I do is obviously carpet pythons, but mm-hmm. one of the most watched videos I have out there is how big do carpet pythons really get? And it's just constantly being watched yes. and searched. And it, and it was like one of those things where it was like, this is the type of video that people were like, thank you for putting this out here. This was really helpful. Or they would take that and, yeah. and ask me more questions about it. And I can't tell you how much positive feedback I got from a video like that because, yeah. because just general questions like that are super common to us, but it's not put out there. I mean, obviously it has been for the last 10 years on the NPR wavelengths, but not not in such a mainstream you know everybody and their household you know teenage snake keeper is gonna just stumble upon quite as easily with you know that's why where youtube has such a different aspect to it it's it's more people are gonna find it and then go to the podcast and then go to all these Mm -hmm. other things so and and then like like you say all too often when it is put out there it's just the misinformation is is mm -hmm. rampant you know Mm -hmm. like Coastals get eight to 10 feet. They're mm-hmm. giant. Like, you know, that, that is what at, at least when I was getting into all this, that's what everything said, you mm-hmm. know? And it's yeah. like when people are just trying to get their feet under them with this whole carpet Python thing, which really like it is fairly complex to somebody that's completely green, you know? And, sure. And there is a learning curve, Sure. but it, it makes that learning curve so much worse that you have to sift through all this misinformation too. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like my friend, one of my biology coworkers is getting into Morelia and she was doing all this research like a responsible person would do. And half of it was wrong. And I, I would like just, you know, send like NPR links instead. And she's like, why is everybody on the internet lying to me? Yeah. <laughs> like, Dude, I don't yeah. even know if it's, I don't even know if it's a matter. Of, yeah. You know, it's like, 
it depends on when you're getting that information, right? You know, mm -hmm. if you look back in a book from 20 years ago, mm -hmm. it's going to, you're going to have this. If you look now, you know, it's, it's, nobody really talks about the coastal carpet pythons and how they differ in size based on where they're at in, in, you know, in Queensland, you know, I mean, you know, the further South you go, the, the, the larger the bigger, they get, right. um, you know, um, well, and think about from the perspective of somebody who's trying to learn these questions, what do they do? They go Google. What's the first link that yeah. comes up? It's usually a reptiles sure. magazine article that was written 20 years ago, which yeah. isn't, isn't necessarily wrong or bad, but it's not as accurate as some of the new stuff. That's a little more specific written, you know, with a little more elaboration, you know, there's a lot of really general stuff that was kind of made the, here you go. Here's your quick answer sort of link. And, and, you know, people don't, they don't dig as deep as, as they used to when it was a library type endeavor. Now it's, it's, I need, I can get this information in five minutes or it's not there sort of thing. So yeah, that's just still and, part of it. And, you know, you'll see sometimes in Australia where some of the keepers in Australia have coastal carpets that are that size or the know? snake catchers that find those really sure. big ones in people's yards. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 They definitely find you know? three meter plus animals. From yeah. Time to yeah. Time. Yeah. hundred percent. But is but that, that the, animal is that the moves? Rule? That animal that actually like probably yeah. books it, you know, a third of a mile and, and gets actual yeah. exercise yeah. and might be like 20 years old, you know, like yeah. it, it might even be past its reproductive days. It might be geriatric. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I think the other part of it too, right. You know, you have this idea that, you know, that whatever's in Australia is going to be here in the U S right. So you can't apply what you're seeing in Australia, even in their hobby, because they have more diverse bloodlines and they have more, you know, more that they're working with and more different localities and stuff that we don't have in the States. So we mm -hmm. have, we have a couple lines of coastal carpet pythons and they don't get that big. So mm -hmm. like, I know it can be confusing for people because they're sort of like, well, wait a minute, you know, I go and I, I see this and it says it gets 10 feet. And then I see the guy with the 10 foot coastal carpet, you know, like walking around yeah. and it's like, <laughs> right. well, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, they're eating wallabies and you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it can happen, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, yeah, it's just um, the exception rather than the rule. Well, yeah, like think about it this way think about, you know, I think about this sort of like really cemented this into my brain. Like when we saw the two different water pythons, right? We saw the mm -hmm. one at Fog Dam, which was the size of a water python, five, five foot probably. Mm -hmm. You know, then we saw the one in botanical gardens in darwin which was probably about 12 foot long you know i had that <laughs> held up like this yeah and that thing was easily as tall as me Holy you shit. know and so yeah i i swear to god when we saw that i was like oh my god it's an olive python in botanical gardens and we yeah. went and we're looking at it and i was like holy shit no this is a water python <laughs> or water python I <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> well I, you done. know, I, I just think, yeah, like there's always a, a size variation within gene pools, right? Like in giraffe, there are really exceptionally large males and then there's average size males in, in elephants, like in birds and, you know, sure. there's all this stuff. And then there's the other hypothesis that, you know, the megafauna of the earth are shrinking or dying off. Like crocodilians used to be 30 plus feet and now they're 13 feet. 
Um, and so maybe snakes are somewhere in that transition too. So like what you're finding are those really big ones are kind of like the last remnants of like the shift in that gene pool. And, you know, but it makes sense that you're only finding those really in the wild other than the exception of like one or two, like really well, well fed, like had the genetic capacity to turn that into length. Yeah. There's just not that many of them. You know, and you, you look at like a species like Darwin carpets, right? Mm-hmm. To me, <clears throat> to me, you know, they're, they're average carpet python size, you know, say probably like six foot, right? But like there's a locality, um, there's a data point that I, I think it was in Humpty Doo, uh, Northern Territory. <laughs> Humpty Doo, yeah. That's where I went. <laughs> what, what did he do? <laughs> <laughs> Humpty Doo. Humpty Doo, mate. Uh, but uh, um, they, it was like 10 plus foot. Yeah. You know, that's a big Darwin carpet, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, I don't know, man, you can't, yeah. you can't really compare the two, but, uh, you know, I, I was glad that you kind of went and sort of did the YouTube where you focused on a car. I couldn't keep up with it, but you know, the, the whole idea that, uh, you were putting that information out was, was great because I think you're right. You know, I think people, find, I'm still surprised about how many people, come to the podcast now yeah you know it's like 10 years into it and i'm like oh okay i talk to a lot of folks in the shop like we'll carry a couple carpets here and there and and i get people on subject and they're like just learning about the snakes in general like a lot of folks still have not heard of carpet pythons it's crazy yeah 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 and it's it's hard to it's hard for somebody that's been doing it for so many years to sort of put yourself in that mindset of like, you know, to, to people, it doesn't matter, you know, like to me, as I'm learning about monitors, I'm kind of have that new, like look into that world. And it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the people there are like, well, what do you mean? You don't know about this. I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, Oh yeah. So perspective. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, Morelia. Everybody needs more Morelia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is that is very true. Yeah. It's a floating back carpets. Go ahead. Sorry. Need more uh, inlands. Need some Novas. Need some Diamonds. <laughs> what else don't I have? Uh, I need some locality stuff. I just, yeah, I need it all. I need more space. Yeah. Hypo-striped yeah, so- brettles. <laughs> you need a striped brittle? Do you? I don't have any striped brittle. Hypo striped brittle. <laughs> oh, getting fancy over here. Uh, I still I still have to look in and see what space I have for this impending EB Morelia package that's coming. <laughs> oh dear. You well, gotta, some of it will be small. But I, others, I, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I need I need like a heads up so I can put together like inventory and like okay that's going there and this is going there and we'll shift this around and yeah I, I've got a I've got two snakes that need to go back to Martin so that'll free up some some enclosures and I have so I'm at this point now where it's kind of like we, you know we sort of started to talk about this but like I'm at this point now where it's like trying to figure out what stays and what goes you know because. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things where you have I, I amassed all these carpets and it's like, okay, well, 
I, you know, Owen used to yell at me this all the time. Like, why do you have this? Why do you have that? Why do you have this? Why do you have that? And it's like, uh, I don't know. I just got it. <laughs> it's like, you don't need this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, uh, so yeah, it's about, you know, getting, I, it's almost like I don't even want to sell them. I just want to give them to people that I, that I know. So I know that they're going to, you know, do something with the snake and sure. take care of the snake and all that, sure. you know, and plus selling adults and that whole thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, man. that's tough. Uh, how do you how do you price yeah. it how do you evaluate it yeah you know and it, it yeah man uh, you know i don't know it's uh yeah too much inaccurate info on code well it depends on what kind of coastals you're yeah. looking at it's it i mean it's it's with yeah it's with anything the the misinformation or the lack of the the correct information being retained if it's something specific like as far as it pertains to purity or maintaining maintaining lines all of a sudden you know just selling it to anybody places it in jeopardy for that animal and if that animal is a one-of-a-kind thing then it's 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 hard to put a dollar on it it's more about the intrinsic value of maintaining a line or a a population of animals and keeping that around like you know now that this this um this pop female of mine is is hurt from this clutch she just laid all of a sudden that kind of changes my thinking about this clutch of eggs. Cause what I did with that first clutch was dished out, you know, some, some animals to folks and I was male heavy. So I was hoping this clutch would be female heavy to, to put some females with some people that got those males because I know they'll appreciate it for what it is. And if, you know, it turns out that that dark aspect of that female is, you know, somehow involved and it's something different or even just because they're nice, good, pure new blood animals. It's kind of like, I don't want to just put them on morph market and just sell them to whoever throws money at me. You know, it's, it's not, it's not about getting, you know, whatever the price is for those animals, because quite frankly, somebody who doesn't know the story about her or the story about poison Ivy or, the fact that we can still import these for now and what that's going to mean in the future. And will that change and how far we've come to me? There's so much backstory to these animals that somebody's going to see it, you know, an animal that they probably wouldn't pay $200 plus shipping for. But to me, it's worth, you know, yeah. so much more than that. Like even yeah. from a financial aspect, it's worth a lot more than that to me, but it's worth more to me to see those animals go somewhere where, you know, it'll be, just appreciated and respected and valued and for the good of, you know, the population, I guess. I don't know. For sure. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's why like a lot of times, like, you know, I'm asking you guys and no one first, like, uh, Hey, do you want this? <laughs> you know, cause it's, you, you're going to breed it or whatever. And, and, you know, then I feel good that the animals is, going to a good home, you know, and not having to worry about it. Cause I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel, and you know, that's another thing. I kind of feel like, you know, when you get an animal to me, it's like you're keeping it for its life. So make sure that you're, you're making a good decision and, and, you know, it's hard for me to sort of break that, I guess, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to, I get it, but like, mm-hmm. you know, especially with me with carpets, it's kind of like, you know, oh, well, you know, I just, you know, other people will come come in and look at something and go like, yeah, okay, yeah. But yeah. like to me, it's like, dude, you don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, you yeah. don't get it. You don't, 
you don't understand you know yeah that's why it's so hard to to trim back projects you know like i have this inner struggle like there's this part of me that's like i need to have everything literally everything i need all the the subspecies and species and and the variations and then there's this part of me that's like but you really like these ones best and you've yeah. really got your foot started in these projects the most. And you really, yeah. you know, like like the yeah. striped jungle stuff or the exanic tiger stuff, or you know, and I'm just like, but I like it all. So <laughs> how do I it's hard? You, you, yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know. Just, it's it's hard, man. You know, and you you keep a project for for a while and you kind of yeah, yeah, man. It's it's difficult, you know. But um I I I kind of feel like I'm getting closer and closer to having like that closed collection and I'll be happy, you know, this except for like, you know, and unless all of a sudden Owen Pelly's or Impercata or something, you know what I mean? Like one of yeah. those crazy things, you know, come up. Um, what is this? Let's see. What's this say? Your average carpet python will be smaller than this, but I wonder what the average size of a 15 to 20 year old animal would be. There isn't many around, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. That could be too. You know, uh, the 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 longevity. Yeah. I mean, you know, probably Nick is the one that has like to me. That's Nick probably and Balin and guys like those, the oldest carpets. And there, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny when Nick sent me his breeder Exanic Jag. Right, he sends me this Exanic Jag. This is a couple years ago. Owen oh, has it now, I believe. Male or um, female. It's a male, right? Okay. And uh, for a long time, I sort of like, you know, it's one thing when you sort of, um, you think you're you're on the right path with keeping animals smaller and not overfeeding them and all this stuff. But it's it's a totally different thing when you see, you know, I'd see, again, not this, Owen's snakes are like, you know, not anymore, but back in the day, I mean, his things are like, you know, you're two-handing this thing. <laughs> <laughs> one of those jobs. And uh, you kind of think like, am I doing? Am I am I doing something wrong here? And then you know, Nick sends his exanic breeder, uh, exanic jag breeder mail, and like it's. I'm like, oh, okay. I feel I feel okay now. All you right, fit it in the palm of your hand. Yeah, I'm like, so Owen comes over to pick it up, and he's like, uh, you know, oh, okay, yeah, that exanic jag. I'm like, yeah, here it is. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's 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 it. You know? Yeah, he's teeny like, tiny. Oh yeah yeah so different perspective when you're starting versus you know 15 years down the line or whatever i've i've got some you know 10 and 11 year old jungles behind me these females that are big but i'm curious to see how they'll how they'll look in you know another six eight years i wonder if i have a picture of sophie his prize yeah, uh, Ryan Cox just put it up. I, <laughs> I bet she that's, has. That's the one he got like huge. He got like forty eggs out of right. <laughs> yeah, that. I, in all fairness, that snake was impressive, man. That was yeah. that was an impressive animal for sure, hundred percent. Did you see that? Uh, that Dominic Carbono got thirty nine eggs from his big jungle girl the other day. Wow. Yes. I yes. Just, holy crap. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's a lot of eggs. And then wasn't Mike Curtin talking about um, uh, age in relation to pythons, but in in more 
the specifics of fecundity and fertility and breeding as it pertains to Delia. He's planning on breeding Delia and she's gravid right now. And so the last two clutches she slugged out and he's trying it one more time to see if it could be, you know, hypothetically an age thing. Yeah, it could be. I I wonder like if a lot of time we sort of like, um, you know, kind of, um, Sort of just like, so when those things happen, we sort of just like chalk it up to like, we don't dig deep into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you have slugs, it's like, oh, well, you know, it, it didn't get cold enough. She didn't have heat. Yeah. Sure. See, even though when snakes do the pretzel thing. um, (laughs) Yeah. Mike was, Mike was talking about it in, in relation to maybe switching up her diet and getting her off of strictly just rats and introducing more variety and see if that changes the difference. Oh yeah, there's Sophie. Yep. Or no, that's Emma. Uh, yeah. That I was just showing the uh the uh you know that the pretzeling the pretzel thing. Yeah. Sophie's probably all the way at the beginning. I mean that snake was humongous. <laughs> humongous. Yeah, there's hard to beat a big impressive carpet python. That is kind of a sight there it is. of the there whole. There she is. Especially um, brettles, so yeah. so robust, so big yeah. bodied. Yeah, I'm very curious to see if everything actually goes well for me. How many eggs the bigger one will drop? Because yeah, one's pushing four thousand grand. Oh, wow. oh my gosh, I remember that photo. Look at that head. Look at that head. Yeah, man. <laughs> Not Owen, oh. dude. The snake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was when Owen still had somewhat of a baby face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For before oh, we my. broke him, <laughs> right? And then he hid it under a beard like I do. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Look at that head. Yeah, that's nuts. That's yeah, a she was a, a big, big snake for yeah. sure. Oh, Owen. <laughs> One of these fun. days, he'll join us on this uh, afternoon uh, carpet yeah. and coffee. Well, he's gonna have to for the Sunday Patreon ones, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, you don't yeah. have a choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, when are we kicking those off? Um. I'm thinking maybe we'll probably maybe do a show. I don't know. Maybe next week. Maybe. Is it maybe. I don't know. Cool. Um, yeah. We'll iron it out and yeah. send something out to all the patrons. I saw that. Uh, I, I keep going and periodically checking out uh, out the page and see how it's growing. And I, lately I've been seeing folks like Graham and, and Dylan posting about it on Facebook. And it's been really cool to see people getting behind it. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I I can't thank people enough, man. It's that's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm ex- I I tell people it's like the most exciting time to be in reptiles, and it really is publicly. But for me, it's like also just my. It's so far the most exciting time for me, and I've had some crazy freaking times, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like some crazy shit, like stuff that will not be repeated. Level of crazy stuff that was yeah. like so novel and crazy i don't know and like not even like an east coast like what you see at hamburg sort of crazy just like a different brand of it and the zoo sprinkled in there and right now it's just like it really is the most exciting time because so much is changing like to me it feels like there's the impending threat of losing importation of of like papuan species or anything and there's a push for all these unique species outside of the mainframe people are getting more into fringe stuff and I just, uh, I can't wait to look back on these times in 10 years from whatever perspective we're at then, you know, and see kind of how, how things have gone. Because like, 
don't know about you guys, but I'm really enjoying the way my snake room is and and what I'm trying to do. So hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, you know, this is sort of the happiest that I've been in a while. I've sort of pulled away from the social media part of it. I'm not, I'm not in the rat race for the morphs. I'm working with what I want, not what, you know, what, I think I have to, you know, mm-hmm. Jags is an example of that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, that was another thing I tried to say on um, the animals at home podcast that maybe come across wrong. Like I understand like, so, so when you're getting in right to reptiles and you sort of have to, you have to experiment, you have to see like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you see a species, you're attracted to it. You sort of say, okay, well, I kind of like the way that looks or I like it's natural history, whatever it is. And you sort of start to work with it and then you realize it's not for you. You know, mm-hmm. you move on from that project and then you try to find what it is. Or you, some people like I, what I did is you just go and buy a whole bunch of stuff, which is probably not the most responsible way to do it, you know, but um, you just buy a whole bunch of stuff and you're like, I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. And then, you know, now all of a sudden you sort of find what you're doing. But I think sometimes everybody's sort of influenced by the social aspect of it. And you sort of have to feel like I have to keep X in order to, mm-hmm. you know, talk to whoever, you know, and it's like, that's not true. You know, mm-hmm. I don't keep short tails yet. One of my closest friends is Matt Minotola, you know, yeah. like he doesn't keep carpets and yet somehow we still have stuff to talk about, you know, it, yeah. it's, you know, it's, you, you, you sort of have to find what that is that makes you happy and makes you want to go into the snake room and makes you want to, you know, get excited about, you know, working with whatever it is. If that's, yeah. if that's a ball Python, then it's a ball Python. If it's sure. a corn snake, it's a corn snake. If you want to keep, you know, false water cobras, well then go for it, you know, do what, you know, it's sort of like, I used to tell this to Owen all the time. He would say like, oh, I really like these, but he felt that like, because we're doing Morelia Python radio that he can't have, you know, goofy colubrid, whatever, you know? And I'm like, Dude, you, there's there's no you didn't sign a contract that says that you cannot own any other species. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Damn you. <laughs> yeah, everybody goes on this like journey, this like yeah. path through like different stages, and you spend different times in these different stages, and it means different things to different people. And yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I just I think as crazy and tumultuous as the time is, as per like the legislative stuff that's going on and just the world we live in is there's a lot. And like you said, social media just throws it at you. Um, I I just, yeah. Having the, the ability to turn that off and just focus on the animals in your snake room, just appreciate what you have. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, it's hands down probably the biggest bit of therapy in my life is just tuning all that crap out. And it's so easy to fall into these like, circles of outrage and talking about whatever's got y'all fired up and getting pissed off and you know venting about it publicly and throwing it out there and just responding to whatever's firing you up online and when you tune that out and you're not on facebook and you're not you know getting into that negative spiral of just like feeding on it um it's just it just brings it right back like literally go back and think about how you felt with your first reptile like I can't tell you how blown away I was by my first king snake. Like that thing was just it, like a, from another world to me. And yeah. and right now I think we need that sort of refresh reset button more than ever. It's just 
you know, like there's so much to get upset about the, the Cobra King video. Like people want to be outraged about it, but you know what? It doesn't exist yet. It's all hypothetical. Somebody could be filming it. It could just, you know, whatever. And it, it might be doing terrible things and whatever, but like, I'm not going to waste my freaking energy thinking about yes. that right now. Like, I don't care. I don't, I simply don't care. I don't care who's directing it, who's involved, what it's doing, when it's coming. I don't give a damn. And I probably yeah. never will because it's like, I don't need that shit in my life. I've got enough yeah. snakes. I've got a big baby season coming up and it's just more yeah. fun to not focus on that. And it's yeah. just, you know, I wake up every day trying to like, see like, what's everyone doing? Like, are you guys like, who's hatching what? Who's got this? Like, I want to stay in touch with all my friends and stay in touch with the good stuff, but just yeah. block that negative shit out. No, I mean, exactly. All that does is, is add fuel to the fire, like for, the collective rage and your own rage and yeah that's just not good in any sense (laughs) you know that does nothing of benefit to you or anybody else you know Um, like we've talked about you know amongst ourselves like i feel like the best way to to combat a lot of that stuff is to just yeah put on the blinder you know like you're not worthy of my attention and i'm just gonna pretend you're not there (laughs) yeah it's 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 sort of like you know it's 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 this idea that you know you want to talk about it because you want to make sure that people understand the you know like if you disagree with something you want to put your point out there and like you want to make sure that that you know there's another side that people can see but like to me i i, I don't know like i and hands up guilty i in in the past in npr we, we've done this as well you know i mean it's it's to me it's like it's easier to talk about that on a podcast because it just makes for instant content and mm-hmm. you know let's face it human beings are drawn to drama you know mm-hmm. you're driving mm-hmm. down the road you see an accident you're looking over and you want to watch and pay attention to what's going yeah. on it's just how we're wired you know yeah mm-hmm. um and it's much it's 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 more difficult to to, to go and research the animal. But I promise you, I promise if you go and start researching these species and do it yourself, I'm not saying that you can't, if you have a question or something like that, um, you know, that you can't contact somebody or if something interesting comes up, share that with people and they might, you know, you can bounce ideas off of them. And rather than focus on like, you know, what Joe Schmo or you know, is doing with what, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I just, to me, it just seems, are you going to change that person's mind? And like, no, I, I don't know. It, the, the, the culture today is negative enough, you know, yeah. like we don't need to split it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah don't you know. just got to focus on what you can control. And quite frankly, you know, you might think that you have a fantastically worded argument or side to a story and that, if you say it, they're going to believe you. But like at the yeah. end of the day, they probably don't care. You can't change their minds. If they don't want to change them, it doesn't matter. So like all you're doing is just yelling at a wall. Might as well just right. spend that energy, you know, cleaning your snakes or adding new lights or putting brackets on the lights because the snakes wreck them. <laughs> and so now you've got more work to do yeah. or, yeah. you know, whatever it is, like there's always stuff to do. You, you just don't. And if you really, if you really want to, to die on your hill and you really feel like there's a chance that you can, that you can talk to people and change minds, don't do it through text on Facebook, get on the phone, call them. Yeah. Everything gets lost through 
text communication. Tone gets lost, intent mm-hmm. get lost. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I, you know, point out one good Facebook or you know, or text conversation that actually worked out versus like when sure. you talk to somebody in person, it's just a completely different thing. Like I, I feel like that's just so much more conducive to growth and like actually understanding each other's perspective. Yeah. It just in any case, like it's just a better way <laughs> yeah. to yeah. to go about these things. Yeah. And, and and then the other side of that is if you don't feel comfortable saying that something to somebody, but you can fire it off in a text message. Maybe right. it, that's a sign yeah. you probably shouldn't say it. Exactly. Probably shouldn't say it. Keyboard yeah. warriors. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and the, the hardest thing is, again, going back to human nature, we get so fired up, we react and we just do something, you know, instead of like taking the presence of mind in that moment to be like, wow, I feel really amped up right now. Why do I feel amped up right now? Well, because this shit is happening. It's making me feel like I wanted to yell at this person. Ah, I'm going to take it, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to, it's easier said than done, of course, but like that's kind of the way things go in digital social communication. The beautiful thing about the hobby to me is that it's sort of a, I, I've always felt this way that the hobby is sort of this connection between people that wouldn't ordinarily be connected. Mm-hmm. You know, like you think about, think about your reptile friends and think about, do you look at them as age? I don't. Yeah. If somebody is talking to me about reptiles, no longer does age matter. And yeah. now all of a sudden you're relating to somebody that's not in your age group, you know, or mm-hmm. it could be, you know, um, it could be sex. It could be, it could be all these different things that like, you know, that normally you would not, you could, you know, you couldn't, you know, even if it's like politically, you could not be more polar opposite. Mm-hmm. But here's this thing that sort of bring you bring bring people together. Yeah. Sure. And to me, what's the frustrating part is that we don't. It seems like the community at whole doesn't see that, and we're sort of trying to separate people more and more. Like if you keep this way, somehow you're bad. If you keep that way, somehow you're bad. And like, it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> like. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm old school. Maybe, maybe I'm too naive, but like, to me, like you lead by example, right? Mm-hmm. You lead by example. You don't try to, 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 to make somebody do what you do. You kind of do what you like. I think about myself and how I look at things. And if I wanted to learn something or I didn't know something, or maybe I wanted a different perspective, I'm going to go to, um, you know, uh, to, tr- to try to talk to somebody to sort of give me that insight and, sort of steer me on the right direction. And, and, you know, I, I think we can do that much. I, I don't even know if I'm making sense. I, I think we can just be to, you know, we don't have to agree on everything. And it, I guess the, the sticky part is, is that we're dealing with living animals, right. As right. opposed to stamps or this or that. So <laughs> I, I get why people are super passionate about the idea that, you know, oh, if you're not keeping this, somehow you're a bad keeper, you're neglecting the animals or something like that. But I think what drives me nuts is people talk about species that they've never kept. They've never yeah. even seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Yet they're somehow <laughs> going to tell somebody who's been keeping it for years how to do it. Yeah. 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 That Maybe happens help a lot. yourself and learn something. That, yeah. that happens a lot with venomous. That happens a lot with just anything that people have this empowered sense of correctness yeah. that they got to assert. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. People just, we, we lose sight of it and we just got to remember we're keeping, <laughs> we're keeping snakes in boxes uh, at our house. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's kind of why I moved to like the idea of like maybe trimming down the collection and, and, and giving uh, more of a natural environment because it makes mm-hmm. me want to spend more time in my snake room and mm-hmm. focus on what I love about these reptiles is their behavior, yeah. you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess when you're in the breed, like when I was in this breeding mindset, it was more about being in the community and breeding and, and sort of being, you know, like hoping to be known for X, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I don't care about that anymore. To me, I just want to go in my snake room, watch these animals do what they do, relax, drink a coffee, drink a beer, whatever it would be, you know, have people come over and show them these, uh, you know, look at this awesome animal, you know, and, and they really appreciate it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's sort of where I'm at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. I miss that. I I miss having folks over that aren't in this world and showing them my animals yeah. and like watching the light bulb go off, you know, but COVID has yeah. kind of halted that for the time being, but that's one of my favorite things yeah. is to bring in yeah, a friend man. and just be like, Oh, you're scared of snakes. Look at this one. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and just watch yeah. like them become forever changed, you know? Yeah. 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 And, it should be opening back up soon here in California, like yeah. end of this month, start of next month. And now we're, we're looking at, you know, big reptile shows coming back to the state, you know, Sacramento is going to have a show this, this fall, uh, Pomona yeah. or Anaheim. So it's coming back. So I think we'll, you know, we'll get that, that back, you know, the other day I had this like craving to just be camping you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i was like i really want to be out in the forest or the woods somewhere with no cell signal yeah and the whole day <laughs> yeah. to be like what do i want to do well i want to sleep in i want to make some breakfast on the skillet under this tree i want to go pee in a river i want to go <laughs> you know like yeah. whatever i'm gonna drink a beer and not care what time it is and then i'm gonna go follow this trail and see if i can find any snakes you know like absolutely i want that i want shows i want I just want. I want to know. go to Australia with you guys. Oh uh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah! <laughs> oh uh, man, <laughs> that's a sore spot for Riley because we would be there a year ago. <laughs> I was thinking about week. it. I was thinking about it. I was like, a year ago today, we would have been yeah. coming back from Australia, and I was like, son of a! Bitch. I was so mad. I was like. Bah! I'm gonna go like yeah. throw some shit. Like uh. we would have been sending pictures, uh, yeah. Woma pythons at Shark Bay to Lucas. Uh. Like, check this out. Put yeah, this yeah. In your and then when bro. you get back, you'll be like, oh, and uh. he passed away from from jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He died yeah, in his man. snake room with all of his snakes in hand. <laughs> Nick, you know, Nick, in my early days, Nick told me that this would happen to me, man. Yep. He, I, re- I remember him specifically saying, he's like, one day you're going to say, screw all these morphs and screw all this <laughs> stuff. And you're just going to want to breed like, you know, pure stuff and no more crosses and no more bullshit. And you're just going to. And I'm like, never, Nick. Never. <laughs> Damn it. It's it is so interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel very lucky that that I kind of got not that there's anything wrong with morphs, but I personally just feel lucky that I got to the place where I'm at with my mindset. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. quicker with a yeah. with a lot less. You got to between. skip the bullshit. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It I, yeah. I hope that didn't come out wrong, but no, just, no, you, no, no. You, you got you you connected with the right people early on to help That's you avoid some I'm of the just, common mistakes. Sure. Just completely yeah. lucky, you know, and, yeah. and I get so much more out of things because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's, I, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with Morse. I, I still love these different yeah. varieties and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, it's all, it's, everything is awesome. But, um, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of like, I, I think, I think when you see them in the wild, it, it you know, it, ch- it changes you. It changes your thought process. It changes your mindset. It changes, it changes, just changes you. And, you know, to think that it's not going to is, is, is silly, you know, yeah. and, um, the more and more that you experience that, the more and more you want to keep experiencing that. And the more and more you sort of question what you're doing and, you know, am I doing right by these animals? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and everything seems good. And uh, could I do it better? Could I, could I, could I make these animals happier in captivity or healthier or whatever, you know? And, and like I say all the time, it's so hard to nail that down with, with, especially with carpets, because, they're just bulletproof, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? They're just they're just they're a hardy species, and it's yeah. It's, yeah. I'm with you. The more the more and more time goes on, the more and more I want everything in glass front enclosures with options and space, so I can look at them <laughs> and see them do their thing. Like I, I keep having this dream that that I go into this room and there's just a wall of progressively bigger and bigger enclosures, and it starts with two foot cubes going on to like you know, six by two by threes or whatever. And it's just, you know, everything from yearlings to adult Morelia. Yeah. And then there's just the corner of the baby rack. And so like literally just babies up to yearlings and hatchling racks and then everything in glass front, like that's the dream. And obviously that would take a lot of time, money and conversion, but right. I, I got to feel like the more we talk about these things, the more we study about, you know, the natural history and, the more people are trying to answer these unanswered questions about UVB or perching or, you know, just their, their hardiness, their ability to adapt to novel stimuli, um, digestion, uh, better scale condition, longevity, all these things. Like the more we, we do and, and question that and learn more about it, the more it makes me want to get on board and, and have everything as open and as full of options as possible. I'm right there with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not something that you, you know, for, for some people like myself, who's sort of kept this one way mm-hmm. for so long, I can't just turn it on a dime. You sure. Know? And yeah. There's a lot of financial I, investment involved in that. Yeah. You know? Um, and, um, but I, 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 let me ask this, let me ask you guys this question. Do you think that we should do better as, uh, you know, the more experienced, I don't know what the word would be more experienced people. I'm just talking about carpet pythons and trying to steer them in a direction to sort of like, you know, listen, if you're going to have one snake, take care of it like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I'm trying to figure out a way to sort of like incorporate that into, to things. Um, maybe it's an episode, maybe it's something on the website, maybe whatever, you know, but like, um, like sort of, sort of like putting whatever knowledge that you've gained about these animals over the years, and sort of putting it out there that that person that wants to keep one or two snakes can have like this really nice setup and really enjoy the animal for what mm-hmm. it is. And 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 you know, I think a lot of time, like I don't know, I think about, I think about the question like, okay, I want to keep a carpet python. What do I keep it in? And what's the standard, you know? Oh, you can keep it in a four by two by two, you know, and (laughs) you know what I mean? And like, you know, make sure it has a shelf and give it a, give it a hide and like, but maybe we could do better 
to sort of elaborate more on that, you know, and, and, and sort of maybe steer people that want to do it. I don't know. It just seems like, I think it was Ben frame that posted up. Did you see that picture of those cages that he built with the ferns yeah. in it? And it's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, dude, right. you're telling me that if you wouldn't love to just sit down there and chill out and watch those snakes in that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about just kind of leading by example, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. like in that case, you know, with that with that person contacting you about wanting their their pet carpet, you know, their first carpet, it it really depends more on them and whether yeah. you know what they want to do. So like I feel like I would say this is how I keep mine, you know, maybe send right. a picture of something like this and explain right. what I love about that. But if their intention is already to not do that, you know, then it would just be falling on deaf ears. But at least I showed like what yeah. I'm doing and why I do it, you know, and and then if that resonates with them and, you know, maybe it won't until years later, but I, I feel like that's, that would be the best way to go about it. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talk, I talk to new keepers all the time in the shop, regardless of species uh, about how to keep these things. And there's, there's the breeder approach, which is right. the, cover your basics and be space efficient and, and do what the species needs. And then there's the, the everybody else pet keeping general approach, which is, is going to be more elaborate and probably focus more on the natural history and how that's going to apply to the animal and just setting something up that looks aesthetically pleasing, but not compromising the necessities, which would be, you know, proper basking or climate or access to water or whatever it is. But, Um, the nice thing with carpet pythons is, you know, I'll tell people like, look, you can, you can keep them with belly heat if you want, because that's what I have success with at home. But if you want to put something in a nice big enclosure with a display and kind of go more the natural route, just think about where their basking is, where their Mm -hmm. climate is, how you arrange it, and just make sure you can control the space that they're going to go in and then adapt it to your individual animal. And so I think, yeah, as, as we start putting out the information for how to keep these animals, it comes down to what Lucas said is it, it comes down to what their goals are. Are they keeping it something as a pet? They want it on display. Are they going to do one? Are they going to do a bunch? And then just rolling with the available technology and space and financial and things like that. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's no reason why somebody couldn't take a breeder bred animal and set it up and raise it up as a pet and a display or vice versa. It's just you got to know the natural history of the animal and and how you can tinker your husbandry skills accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, after talking to Mike, you know, with his zoopoxy stuff, dude, that stuff is incredible, by oh, yeah. the way, man. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I went on to that Facebook page. They have, oh, dude, they have like these tree trunks that look like, they look like tree trunks. And you're yeah. like, holy shit like i can't yeah, you know you can make some crazy stuff so it's almost like i feel like to me like the snakes are something that i love but doing an enclosure like that is almost like the hobby part of it for me mm-hmm. you know it, it mm-hmm. kind of ticks my creative box it kind of mm-hmm. like you know like i feel like not necessarily playing in a band i don't great get to create music the same way i did back you know when i was in a band so like i'm not having that outlet to sort of do that you know i i i don't have you know doing a podcast yeah it's kind of like you know editing it and you know sort of doing that is kind of like yeah you know but 
like to create an enclosure that's a piece of art mm-hmm. it's pretty fun you know, and i'm not even talking about bioactive i'm to me nah, that's just i'm not even going a, down that route you know, i'm escape. talking about yes making a a background that looks like the outback and making mm-hmm. a you know these these trees and branches and hides and water bowls and yeah water bowls uh that, <laughs> that, that kind of you know to me that that ticks that box for me of yeah. of uh of it you know and and the other thing if i'm being honest that sort of like made me take a step back and look at this was my dad and my sister you know they're coming into mm-hmm. the hobby they don't know anything from anything they just know like what you know my sister knows absolutely not she's green as can be but my dad you know he has experience in this right. stuff and like just watching what they did with without going to like my dad doesn't go to he doesn't even have facebook he doesn't even have an account like none of it so he has no idea about you know any of this stuff and like to look at his dart frog enclosure and say like dad how how did you know to do that he's like yeah well i just looked where they're from and i kind of looked at and he's already to his to his advantage he sort of has a green thumb when it comes to plants and stuff Mm -hmm, like that so mm -hmm. he has that advantage but i don't know man it's just sort of made me take a step back and he's like you know i remember saying to him we're sitting there drinking a beer and he's like like i never understood why you kept your snakes in those drawers you know you can't see them like why do you keep snakes if you can't see them and i'm like yeah touche dad <laughs> touche. Good question. yeah yeah i i think i think the first time i ever made like a, a custom foam background with texture and everything i was like oh shit this is fun and then you know putting lights in cages i'm like oh shit i can see things this is sweet and now you know you just kind of hit these little things and you realize like damn i, I you're right i kind of would prefer to see them yeah, um yeah but at the same time, I don't want to get rid of any in order to yes. arrange the space to see them because yes. I have them because I like them. Right. Yes. That, so that's sort of the struggle. You know, I need more it's, space. Yeah. Yes. That, that's yeah. where it becomes the gradual transition. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then the other thing is, you know, just by saying it takes time to gradually get get there doesn't mean you're neglecting animals in order to get there. It oh. doesn't mean that racks are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say yeah. this to the day I die is, is, is everybody who's, whoops. Why did We're that back just come with up? The hidden gene Walmart. Um, sorry. <laughs> I don't know uh, who hit that. <laughs> I hit the space bar on accident. Uh. I did that. Um, I, I'll, for, I'll say this forever just because, you know, by human conser- consumerism in nature, we want things for the cheapest price possible. It's just, you know, how we are. Um, you know, if you want, animals to stay available and affordable a certain percentage of the population needs yeah. to be able to breed and in a certain price point cost overhead quantity whatever all these variables racks are essential for cost effective space allocation for breeding which is going to directly translate into the cost of your corn snake or carpet python or anaconda or whatever um it it all plays a role so you know i just i really hope the hobby as a whole moves away from criticizing racks or bashing them and just sees them as a tool in certain scenarios certain approaches and and that it you know it's just not it's not a negative thing it's it's an essential part of it you know maybe i'm exposed to different people maybe i choose to not get into the debate anymore about the Mm -hmm. racks versus cages type of thing and Mm -hmm. like the people that 
I sort of talked to about this and, you know, even Dylan sort of brought it up on the animals at home podcast, you mm-hmm. know, he's sort of saying, do you think that there's a way that you can make a, a, a rack, um, you know, giving it more stimulation than just a water bowl and, and paper, you know? So I think, I, you know, I think to a certain extent, yeah, that, that, that probably can be done. So it's not necessarily the box that's bad. I think that people sort of, at least the people that I'm exposed to, they have a hard time with the fact that it's, there's no stimulation, you know, there's no enrichment, there's no, there's nothing, you know, and, you know, it's always been sort of, so again, this comes to perspective, right. And sort of like understanding where people like myself who have been doing this for, for a long, long time have come into this hobby where we've had drilled into our brains that snakes don't need it right they right. sit they're ambush predators they wait this is you know it, 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 so these things are in our head it's it's not like we just sort of made it up so that we could keep snakes and rats right. it's, not, right. it's not like it went that route it's sort of like this is sort of what was known at the time maybe you know now that you know technology becomes more and more advanced you know it, it sort of these things can sort of happen a lot easier where you can provide uv and these mm-hmm. things you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i don't I don't know it's just one of those things that that's sort of i remember having conversations with people about that like why yeah. so snakes don't need uv like why why do you think that lizards do and snakes don't and they're like ah oh, they just don't you know yeah. and it's it's sort of like oh, okay well you know better than i do so i'm just gonna roll with that whereas right. maybe younger people are like no you're full of shit i'm not listening <laughs> i'm not, not believing that that answer well, doesn't yeah. work for me with my so, yeah. my brain for all those kinds of statements now i just hear zach saying 2600 different species you can't generalize <laughs> you know or whatever yeah. that's another like, thing yeah yeah 100 yeah. yeah. not yeah. all the same a snake is not a snake is not a snake yeah right. i mean I, I I definitely would love to shift to giving snakes more options. Like for, for example, one of the first things I'm going to do when that stimulus check comes in, other than put new tires on my cars, I'm going to go get a bunch of those specialty enclosure design perches that like you can pop 100%. a hole right into the yes. side of the tub or it's a magnet. And it's got those little, just like yeah. you can just string up like a straw or whatever plastic things zip tie sure. it on. I want to buy a crap ton of those because I would love to use those in every baby tub, every yes. grow up tub, everything like that. And then, you know, you know what I was thinking about with my lights over here is these animals are going to it because they're checking it out and it's novel and it's warm. But I remember having a thought years ago, heated perches. And now I'm like, shit, I want to throw some perches in here. So maybe they'll leave the lights alone. I'm like, well, shit, what if somebody, you know, heats a perch? Like there's all these cool things that we can figure out these mm-hmm. days. And so, you know, until somebody invents a really slim, cost-effective way to put strips of UV into racks, you know, in order to give them the option, I think the the push towards glass front or, or something like that is going to be where where my head's at. You know, that's that's just me. I, I yeah. love seeing them use stuff, burrow around stuff, use beddings, like crawl on things. I don't know. It's just interesting, and I'm definitely yeah. shifting that way. You know. I don't want to throw him out there like I'm trying to put him on blast or put his business out there. But Keith, right? You know, he keeps a lot of like uh, boas and emerald tree boas and stuff like Corrales stuff. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he keeps in in tubs. Right. But mm-hmm. like he's sort of saying like, you know, I don't want people. You know, I, I feel 
I don't know if I should be key, but the difference is, and that like Keith has like perching in his tubs and like he has hides in his tubs. And like, to me, and like, to me, it's like, I I get where he's reluctant to sort of put it out there because of this mindset. But I'm like, no, you have, you know, stimulation in that tub that is no different. If it was in a box with a glass front, it, right, it's right. not different at all. There's Again, no like, difference. Like I've said before, the box is the box. Like right. I could put yes. plain sterile paper and a water bowl in a six foot right. cage, or I could do a super, yes. super well set up, you know, sliding box yes. with substrate hides, fake <laughs> right. plants, yeah. logs. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the important box. part. It doesn't here. matter what type of plastic is made out of. Exactly. Yeah. Or right. whether it slides from like that or has doors. Like <laughs> it's what you do with the box. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think that's that's the little nuance to that to that debate, right? That's that that mm-hmm. I never hear brought up. I never hear people talking about it. It's either if you keep in Iraq, your bed. And if you keep bioactive, you're like, you know, a hipster. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you know, young kid? You know, you try yeah. keeping the, you know, uh, you know, sure. And and this is another thing that I didn't get across in the in the in the uh, animals at home podcast was the whole idea of short tails, right? Um, you know, uh, things that 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 I I had in my head, but I didn't say out loud, right? The idea of like keeping a short tail in a bioactive enclosure is just to me is just is. I, I don't know how you do it it's not because work. they're not, they don't, they don't shit like a normal Python does. And when <laughs> yeah, they do, there's, there's no, holy hell, man. <laughs> unless you've experienced the amount of urine that's coming out of that snake. Oh, they or flood. That, yes, the, man. They would like, drown all your isopods. Yes. A hundred percent. You know, yeah. you, you just, you can't do it. You can't do it. So, like, why would somebody keep on paper for a short tail as opposed to, you know, keeping it in a substrate? I guess you could keep it in a substrate, but like, mm-hmm. think about that and think about if you're going to breed these species that, you know, like, I think of, of Minotaur, Matt Minotaur's setup and like he has these big tubs, like huge tubs, you know, these are huge tubs. You've seen it, Riley. Yeah, you know the big what I'm talking boa about. tubs are massive. And he, yeah, he has these huge tubs that he keeps these snakes in and he has like big hide boxes inside it where he has like, you know, moss or dirt mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if that snake wants to get into there, he can. And now yep. it makes it super easy for him to clean because it's just like if it shits in or pisses inside that tub that's inside the tub, he can sort of take it out and replace it. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. And like he has the paper in the outside of it so that if it doesn't on the outside, it's super easy to sort of take it and clean it and keep it sterile and all that stuff. So you're, you're a hundred percent right of like, if you want these animals, somebody has got to breed them and like somebody has to be able to do it efficiently, you know? And I guess I didn't come across the way I wanted it to come across in the, in when I was saying, like I had the thoughts in my head, but Mm -hmm. I didn't articulate it as well as I wish I had, but um, you know, well, that's why you've that's got just... nine different podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, it's it's just one of those things, man. You know, it's it's it. You got to look at the species, and I don't think that uh, you know, Doctor Zach could have said that any better. It's like yeah. you know, like it's like so. What do you think about it? Well, Eric, let's start at the beginning that, you know, there's 2,700 <laughs> yeah. different species of snakes. So, like, if you want to talk about digestion, tell me. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. I- I'm sorry. That's why you're the doctor. And I'm yeah, just the yeah. 
that that episode was so good that totally reaffirmed the changes that i've been making to my feeding schedule with my my baby Mm. carpets and everything so much more yeah dude when i for me when i and zach i'm uh, you know i mean i'm calling you zach (laughs) lucas when you get to talk to dr zach you know I'm so jealous because you get to like have those conversations all the time. I was so jazzed after that talk. I feel yeah, so lucky. Like every time we have a session, I just like need to sit for a second and try (laughs) process. Try to try to process. (laughs) Yes, he's. I mean, yeah, he's a wealth of knowledge and just like a great dude that explains everything in such a good way. Yes, it's um, it's unreal. Yeah. I can't wait to have him. Like I have to think of another topic and like (laughs) sort of have him come back, you know? And the fact that he's listening to our podcast for all these years. And it's just like, you know, to me, that's just humbling. Like here's this guy that's, I just, I love his stories. Like I was Mr. Dr. Crayfish kind of lying and waiting with my (laughs) snake passion. And then once I had the PhD and the position to do this, I was like, ha snake guy again. You know, (laughs) that's awesome. He kind of did a Trojan horse. Yeah. (laughs) You'll never change me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, for sure. I, I'm super lucky to, to be in his program and, yeah, maybe his next study of focus can be on uh, UVB as it pertains to the genus Morelia. Yeah. Well, Anybody listening that wants to study that could go do it right now. <laughs> do that. Yeah. Apply for the program. Yeah. Once I get all my snakes switched over and like have it where I want, then I'll start doing. Oh yeah. My own, my own, just my own stuff. And if he wants the data, here you go. You know, you can have it. Do what you want with it. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that'd be sweet. All animals and UVB lit cages just for the hell of it. He did do some kind of analysis on the scaled pigmentation of Brettles pythons. It's not mm-hmm. published, but there's a mm-hmm. computer program that could very accurately determine the pigment, like quantitatively. And nice. there was definitely a difference uh, yeah. for UV Brettles versus non UV Brettles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, this is just sort of putting a human element to like how I think about, you know, but I think about like, you know, you, you have a diamond python, right? It goes into hybrid brumation, I guess you would say, right? And it's, it's, it's sort of like getting like this little tiny bit of exposure to heat and sun throughout their time, right? And I think, think about like, I don't know. See, it's probably different for you guys on the West Coast, right? But here on the East Coast, like last week, right, we had these three days where it was like 70 degrees, right? Mm. And everybody was like happy and like was out and like, you know. People or snakes? Everybody's (laughs) attitude. No, 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 no. This is people, right? Okay. So like, and like you're out and you feel that sun and you're like, oh God, I feel, you know, ah, I feel so good. And yeah. Like your stress goes down and like, I don't know. Can that happen with that? Like, you know what I mean? Like they don't need it. Like I lived all winter long without being outside and in the sun and mm-hmm. looking at the snow that's, you know, <laughs> it's piled up in front of the house and, you know, all this stuff. Right. and. Like as soon as you, you know, it it like lowers your stress. I wonder if that sort of like, you know, maybe has that same type of effect. Yeah, Uh, maybe. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say and hard to say, hard to study. But 
I yeah. know that when the sun shines directly on my cages here around three, four o'clock, everybody comes out. So, mm-hmm. you know, that you can look at as free choice. Could have stayed in the hide and said, sure. ah, no sun. But if the fact that they seek it out, you know, that has to tell you something. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I can't wait to set up cages for the, uh, the Apodora when they're growing up and bigger and setting up UV and separate basking and, setting them up on different timers to kind of observe their behavior and, and watch how it affects their coloration and seasonal behavior changes. That's what I yeah. really want to see. Yeah. Can you for imagine sure. having like, you know, for lack of a, trying to think of a, a different image, but everybody sort of has that idea of bar checks, uh, Anaconda set up, you know, mm-hmm, that, that mm-hmm. The big, huge gauge with the water feature and all mm-hmm. that. But like, not putting an anaconda in there. Not that there's anything wrong with anacondas, but no. can you imagine having something like that and being able to have like Apodora in there and be, you know what I mean? Like imagine what you could observe that you, you know, what you could unlock from that species that you, you know, nobody's yeah. going over there anytime soon to study them in the wild, but you know, imagine be, being uh, able to. Yeah. It'd be so cool too. If you were in the right climate to do an indoor outdoor with just, an open connection where you could yeah. see when the snake chooses to be indoors yeah. versus outdoors. Like people probably do that in, in Florida or Australia or whatever. Costa that would Rica. be so cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think Quetzal Dwyer does that with, mm-hmm. with the bones, right. To mm-hmm. where they can go okay. in and out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yep. percent. That's awesome. I would, yeah. I would love to be able to devote that much space and energy to just one pair of Apodora and really just figure it out. Maybe two pairs. But yeah. imagine how much you would, you know, maybe they do things that we don't even know that they do. And you know what I mean? Like imagine those, uh, I, I don't know, to me, I think about, you know, or to your earlier statement, Riley, when you were saying like, imagine, imagine yourself when you got that first snake and imagine how you were like captivated by that snake mm-hmm. and imagine, you know, think of yourself like staring at that enclosure for hours on end and just observing what it does and being mm-hmm. fascinated by all those behaviors and you know it's sort of like i i want that like to me that's what i'm trying to get back that like oh wow look at that you know yeah look at what it's doing yeah oh my god i've never seen it do that before oh my god this is crazy yeah <laughs> and then yeah. you want to text all your friends be like check this out look what it's doing and then they get yeah. jazzed about it you know so yeah that's I, that's why i think about you know, the people who specialize and focus only on one thing and how dialed in they are on that species. I think about how nice that must be. But then on the other side of the fence, you know, grass always greener. I love the variety that I keep, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's this internal struggle that will never end. It won't. Um, I feel like I get a lot of that, what Eric's describing that like, holy crap, look at that behavior from having a a range of species, right? Yeah. yeah. The false water cobra tail whips me like, in oh, yeah, you yeah. know, no, like, that, that's exactly it. It's if all so I cool had was, was brettles or womas or blackheads, sure. I, I would, I couldn't say that I've been tail whipped by a snake, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I was watching my mad hogs have like a, a three snake breeding ball event yeah. running around. Yeah. It's just like, what the hell are you guys doing? Yeah. It's just like the weirdest yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like finding that balance between, 
keeping things that you know just enough variety to keep it to keep it interesting but mm-hmm. not too much variety to where you're not keeping correct like and what i mean by keeping correctly is like you know if you're keeping certain species in a room and you sure. know finding that balance between something from south america as opposed to north america as opposed to australia as opposed sure. to you know what i mean like trying yeah. to find that balance to how you being how spread you make that too happen. thin and too diverse yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah. yeah, it's easier said than done you know, that's, that's the other benefit to having friends in the community. Cause then you can live vicariously through them. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So. I get to go to Owens and see all his crazy colubrids and be like, you know, I, I would be lying if like when he pulled some of that stuff out, I'm like, holy shit, that's impressive. Like the Kribos and stuff like <laughs> Kribo. Wow. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude, man, that's an impressive snake, you know, that's what I mean. I have to have it, but holy shit. Is that a, is an yeah. Impressive when, snake. when I bring my big male out every so often, I'll pull them out and I'm just kind of like, God, <laughs> what are you? You're amazing. And he's like bigger yeah. than me. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, I could never get rid of this species. Big yeah. like scales, you know, like this like big scales on a snake is dude. Weird. Yeah. And he looks at you and he kind of like huffs and puffs, like, put me down, asshole. <laughs> Just like, oh, I can't uh I cannot wait for that with Apodora, man. I cannot. Those uh, those blacktails are at the top of my want list now. They're so cool. Well, the female, <laughs> the female is uh, one week post of shed right Ooh, now. Yeah. So, in theory, three weeks, and we'll have we'll have eggs from her. And uh, I'm getting my incubator all dialed in. It's been running for a couple of weeks, and I've got a secondary thermometer on it, calibrating nice. and egg bins are in there i'm doing uh this incubation method that uh i learned from grant my boss what he does with pretty much everything is uh he'll take cocoa blocks put them in the bottom of whatever bin he's using soak the hell out of them like literally spray tons of water and then he uses polyfill on top and the polyfill is like just a plastic layer that cushions the eggs holds it nicely but it doesn't wick the water up from the super soaked um cocoa blocks because it's plastic it's not an actual like cloth fiber or 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 plant-based fiber um so you get the full humidity like it's almost like doing a sim container except instead of having water on a under a plastic tray you have a plastic fibrous material over a very soaked saturated material um but it's weird running an incubator uh, at 75.7 degrees and reading it in Celsius and all this weird (laughs) shit, (laughs) not Python eggs. And then I can't wait for them to come out because they're going to be textured. It's going to remind me of crocodilian eggs. It's going to be just so alien. Like I just, I don't even know. I'm excited, man. I just hope it goes well. You know, I'm fucking traumatized. Of course, excuse my language from, uh, my first clutch of the season, damn near breaking that female's back. And then the challenges with Kribos and females not being big enough and all this stuff is running through yeah. my head. I'm just like, can I just not get kicked in the nuts anymore this season, please? Thank I think, you. I think as, I think as much as those things suck, you know, I think long-term you look back on that and it'll sort of give you that perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you kept animals long enough, you're going to have those, those, mm-hmm those things to overcome, you know, yep. and, and it really, really sucks. You know, I'm not going to put Owen's business out there, but he's right. sort of going through that mm-hmm. now. And, you know, it's like, I'm like, Oh man, I just, I, I feel bad for the guy. And, you know, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when times are, are shitty, it, it, you know, it, they're really shitty. Um, yeah. 
And that's when it's cool to have, you know, a good core group of, of people that you can kind of like, you know, rely on to sort of pull you out of that, you know, like, Hey man, yeah, it sucks. But listen, you know, it'll get better. I promise. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. But, but. Yeah. Well, that'll be, that'll be the message for the day is that sometimes snake keeping and the hobby can have its shitty moments, but it, it's always, yeah. it's always yeah, better than without it. Like, you know, it's, Better to have the hobby and deal with the negative shit because at the end of the day, it's more positive than negative. You don't learn from your successes. You right. learn from your mistakes. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. so when you're making mistakes or things happen that don't go right, that's 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 where the learning happens. That's where you mm-hmm. sort of like take a step back and reevaluate and look at things. Sometimes you didn't do anything wrong, like with yeah. your situation, Riley, and it's like. What yeah. could you have done? You know, it Nothing. is what it is. You know, it just yeah. it is what it is. You know, and yep. Just you sort learn of learn from it and move on. Yeah, yeah. You regroup and you say, okay, is there if there's anything I can do better? Let me let me look at this and sort of yeah. look and see. And you yeah, know, and, that's that's what that's leading me to investigate. You know, supplementation and and things in breeding females and snakes. I'm gonna you know investigate further into that and maybe experiment. That a little fascinates bit. me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's I, that's a. I really want to get some of the Da Vinci Boa supplement. Uh, he put out a post saying that on the 15th of this month, so today, he should be restocked and have some more of that. Um, I would like to to try some of his supplements and and get into some sort of regimen of incorporating it into my adults' nice. uh, diet. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you, Zach Zach Baez he used to give his females. I, I I have to I have to look it up. I have what it is, but it's basically like it would it sort of would um uh, sort of get your gut biome going again mm-hmm. and sort of resupplements that mm-hmm. and it's it's a supplement that he used to use and you know he used to drip a couple drops in the female's water after she would lay a clutch mm-hmm. of eggs mm-hmm. and like sort of get that get that going again, you know, because like she a has probiotic an probiotic kind of thing. Basically, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and like sort of saying like okay, you know, this female sort of not eating for X amount and, you know, like trying to get that, that get her back. And does it help? I don't know, but it sure is interesting. And it sure is. That's the kind of people I'm like surrounding myself with, you know, the, the people that sort of are like pushing the envelope a little bit and trying to like, you know, you know, like, okay, what can it, what could I do better? So that supplementation thing sort of has me, uh, yeah fascinated at the moment yeah Yeah. i'll let you know what i find out if i end up uh if i'm able to get my hands on it i know he's got limited supply but i'll definitely you know document as it goes along so for sure cool yeah all right well we're we're a little past two hours um i don't know if you guys had anything else you wanted to throw out there or if we just want to close her up yeah yeah i'm good I'm good. Cool. <laughs> this is a good right. one. This is fun. Yeah. No, this was yeah. a good one. We got our Nova Guinea talk in. We got our brainstorming speculation in. We uh yeah. little Aspidites talk. Yeah, a little <laughs> Aspidites talk. Got Keep got twitchy. Got Lucas all fired up for the day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> More blackheads. Uh, <laughs> I need to win the lottery and then yeah, buy all right. the blackheads. All right. All right. All right. Well, keep thinking happy thoughts and maybe it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to head on out of here. Um, so we'll just kind of wrap up with all of our stuff. So it's uh, everything under the NPR network. This is Carpets and Coffee under the OG NPR Morelia Python Network Radio. Or Morelia Python Radio Network is the, the umbrella, but NPR is the OG. And so there's – let's see if I can do this. We've got NPR, Carpets and Coffee, Student of the Serpent, 
Carpet Cliff Notes, Field Herping Podcast, Humans of Herpeticulture, Colubrid Corner. There's going to be another. What's the oh the 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 monitor podcast coming soon? So that's yep. eight. What's Justin's the working on a podcast. Justin's got one, and then Nick's working on one, right? Yeah, I have to touch base with him again. You know, he hammered me and hammered me about yeah ten, right? Dude, he hammered me and hammered me about you know doing this podcast, and I sent him all this information, and then he just ghosted me. It's like, wait, <laughs> what is he writing yeah. a book or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. he's got a lot of nerve. You know, <laughs> how dare you? Like, uh, you can take as long as you want with the podcast, Nick. Just get that book out. You know, Nick yeah, and Justin yeah. are busy working on that book. Oh, and I can't God wait for damn. that book. I cannot yeah. wait for that book. It's going to be like this thick, you know? Like, oh, I'm going to, you're not going to hear from me. I'm, yes. like, I'm on chapter 10. I know we usually take off a couple of weeks during Christmas, but this year it's going to be whenever that book comes yeah, out. We're right, just going to exactly. ghost everybody for a couple Don't bother weeks. me. I'm reading. Yep. Right. So, yep. Cool stuff. Yep. You got so, it. There's all the all the podcasts and and what's ongoing and upcoming. Uh, for me, it's just Riley's Reptiles on everything, and then Riley Jimison on YouTube. And uh, take her away. Uh, for me, uh, Centralian Exotics on all the things. Um, www.centralianexotics.com. Uh, and yeah, uh, shoot me a message if you have any uh, particular topics or questions that you want answered about Aspidites, because. I'm taking a census. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for me, uh, E.B. Morelia is personally on all the things. I like saying that better. That's <laughs> all the things. All the things. It's yeah. easier. E.B. Morelia. Yeah. Um, if you have, uh, so I'll throw this out there, right? If you want have a topic that you want us to talk about on carpets and coffee mm-hmm. um, or, or something, send that to info at moreliapythonradio.com and yeah. you know, we'll try to uh, work that in and, uh, yeah have our thoughts on it you know as uh, unscripted as this is we we love you know audience and listener questions and feedback and guidance on that because it keeps it fresh it keeps it relevant so yeah yeah something that you guys may uh you know uh, maybe we can unscript ourselves on a top i like the idea it's just a topic okay go you know yeah just (laughs) free freestyle it yeah see what happens yeah Yeah. throw the ball down the hill and see which direction it rolls yeah so um we got the uh, – just throw it out real quick. Uh, we mm-hmm. got the uh, Mike's Monitor episode that was on YouTube. So if you want to watch it on YouTube and see what we were talking about, um, you know, go check it out on on this channel that you're watching mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this on audio or if you listen to that on audio, um, you know, uh, we also have the YouTube. So we're trying to get the subscribers up. So go get some love on, on the channel and uh, – yeah get that so what do we got to get to a thousand we got to get to a thousand subscribers so we just passed 260 or something like that so we, we got a ways a, to go so we need another 750 luck. subscribers don't forget to yeah. go check out uh npr network on the teespring store because you change it to npr network now right it's not npr yeah. store so yeah. teespring search in npr network you'll find that and then if you want to throw uh your hat in the ring for some more awesome uh you know, sort of exclusive content, you can become a patron. Uh, you have two tier options currently. One is just the buy us a cup of coffee. And then the second one is to actually get some exclusive access to uh, bi-weekly, right? Is that right? Every other week, bi-weekly. Yep. Um, Sunday exclusive chats just for patrons. So we're going to be launching that soon um, for that second tier. So yeah, you can really right. show your support for what Eric and Owen have built here and and get something out of it. So. 
Yeah. And that'll, uh, yeah. that'll do it for us. That kind of wraps it all up. That was a mouthful. And I think we did it. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. Woo-hoo! Very good. One of, one of these days we'll tape like a pre recorded outro when we're <laughs> yeah. super lazy and dialed in. So yeah. we'll get there. We're but getting there. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. For now, it's fun freestyling it. So yeah. Absolutely. Cool. All right, guys. All we're right. good chatting with Bye. y'all. I'm going to go get some, some food and I got a bunch of snakes to clean. Right get on. on. All righty. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good Talk one, guys. You. Bye. See ya. Bye.